Hello friends, welcome to the 9016. On today's episode, I've had the privilege of talking to Silas Kemp, who has just finished up his solo exhibition, Violet Dreams, on Moray Place. I'm sure most of you listening would have seen his exhibition the other week. Uh, fantastic, one of, the, one of the best exhibitions I've seen in the city. He's honestly done an amazing job. Uh, lots of work that he's been working on for the past couple of years. It's just fantastic to see it all come together in the capacity that was in and the way he put it together was just it's just amazing. I'm super proud of him. Please welcome Silas Kemp. Home Audio Entertainment. 9016 Radio. The show for artists of all kinds. Sit down and relax. Enjoy the music. Okay, hold on, your turn. Are you smoking much at the moment? Yeah. Fair bit? Yeah, like I, I kind of, um, with smoking, it's like, it's... I don't like feel addicted or anything because like I went, I used to smoke heavy, like, but then I like quit for months and then I was like, oh, I just like wanted to see if I was like addicted. Yeah. So then I did quit and like I quit for like a month or something, but like then I was like, oh, okay, like I'm not actually hooked. So like now I smoke now, like just because I like smoking, it's not like a, it's not like a reliable thing. Right. Like I just like, I don't have like heaps a day. It'll be like a couple of days. Yeah, I've just always like, felt the same. I don't actually know how to sort of tell when you're addicted um, with nicotine in particular because I feel exactly the same. I feel like I've bought packs over the years just to have cigarettes because I like having them, not necessarily yeah. because I need them. And I never really smoked that much when I was buying them. Like I'd probably have max like three, maybe four on any given day mm. with the exception of like the weekend, I suppose. But I never thought I was ever addicted to it. And I did the same thing. I got to a point where I was like, well, fuck, am I addicted or not? I'll just stop buying cigarettes and see, like, if I, if it turns out I do, like, need one, mm. quote, unquote. And, yeah, I just stopped buying them and I was like, yep, sweet. Good. <laughs> don't need them. Yeah. Um, and, I mean, occasionally, of course, like, when you go out, there's going to be one offered to you or you're going to ask someone for one at some point just because alcohol and cigarettes, they yeah. like each other. But Oh, there's no better combo, mate. <laughs> can't beat it. Yeah, I never, um, I never felt like I actually needed to have a cigarette once I'd, once I'd done that. And now I'm pretty much on that. Name a better duo. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, no, I just love cigarettes. Like, yeah. They're just, they're just nice. I just love them, man. Yeah. Like, they're so cool. And yeah. they're just like so nice. It's just nice to have something to do. Yeah, nice especially. to just like... Yeah, have a like, break and have a cigarette, or just like there's something about having in your yeah, hand. You just especially being like kind of fidgety, like yeah, as an artist as well. True. You're like always kind of like true. Need got something your brush, in and it's just like yeah. always kind of like it's just there's it's interesting because like you just it's just nice to be able to like the end of the day or something or yeah you just go out for a break you know and just yeah. like take a load off mate yeah it's all good something about it I can't I still haven't really put my finger on it because like. It's nice. I think a lot of smokers will probably say they like the taste of them, but it's typically not something that tastes nice. You know, you wouldn't you wouldn't say that cigarettes are like a nice tasting thing, but they are in their own way. Mm. Just there's like the essence of it. I don't know what it is about them because I I must I must like the taste of it, but I feel like I don't. I don't know how to describe that. It's like with yeah. a beer. Like I love having a beer, but I wouldn't say to someone that's never had a beer that it tastes good, you know. Same with like a cigarette. I wouldn't be like, oh my God, this is the best tasting thing you'll ever have because it's not. But I guess it's just one of those things you sort of just adapt to and it just becomes like, whew, It's good. Quite nice. Yeah. Um, yeah, I just yeah, love beer. Like, I mean, it's just, when did to you me, have- it's like, 
a great tasting thing. It's yeah. like, you know, I would prefer a beer over like, like, like nice martinis or anything. Sure, just sure. Like, like a of course, it's an occasion thing, thing yeah. you know, but like just having a cold beer is just so refreshing, man. <laughs> when would you have had your Hard first beer, do you reckon? Uh, and would you, did you reckon you liked it the really first young. time? Yeah, I loved because like Straight off my, the old, my old man, everyone used yeah. to drink beer, like the men yeah. drank, drank beer. So when I was a kid, I was like, Dad, you don't have a yeah. beer. And if I like worked worked for him for like, you know, on a Saturday, like did a good hour or something, yeah. he'd always give me a beer. Oh, sure. So like when I was probably to have my first beer. Oh, like, that's crazy that you liked it from the get-go. How old yeah. do you think you would have been? Maybe like eight or nine, maybe. Fuck. That's crazy. I, had, I, I actually had my first, probably my first, I got drunk the first time when I was four. No and, shit. And that was when, that was like at a, uh, my parents went to like a, a friend's house to watch a footy and it was kind of like a big, like big night, yeah. a bit of a party. And I was like kind of, I was young, I was four years old. So I was like going around and like drinking everyone's, like going around the couches, drinking everyone's like wine and yeah. like drinking the dregs and stuff. Fuck. <laughs> it was so funny. It's like just like. Just keep like just loved it. Holy just shit! Loved drinking wine and I was like, yeah. everyone's like, "Where's the wine gone? Like, where's like?" I had a swear I had like half a glass here, and, and you then, like you it, were drinking it at four and it was fine. Like you liked it. Yeah, and then like Fuck. I was just like got real drunk, and then Dad's like, "What? What's going on with Silas? Like he's uh, he's jumping around. He's having a good old time." <laughs> And and it turns out, it, yeah, I just got drunk, and then he's just like, "Oh, that's where the that's where the wine's gone." And then he Fuck. he had to carry me home, Jesus, just across the road. Yeah, carried me home and spewed <laughs> up everywhere, and then went to bed. <laughs> Woke up dusty and went to primary school. Fucking hell! What a <laughs> what a poor introduction to alcohol. That's crazy that you that you could actually drink it at four years old. Yeah, it was just lovely. I would love the taste wow. of it. What kind of wine was it? Do you remember? Uh, it was white wine. Shit. Yeah. I rem- fuck, man. I remember just going back to the beer thing. I remember my first beer being disgusted by it. Real? And I feel like that's pretty typical. Yeah. I had to train myself to like beer. Really? Shit, yeah. I, I always had like, you know, your old man always gives you a taste of it mm. every here and there and never, never liked that. Yeah. But when you sort of come into drinking, like when I started drinking in high school, that was just... RTDs and that sort of thing, which yeah. I think is, is fairly typical for Sundays. people when they start. Yeah, it, literally. Yeah. Um, which is an easy intro into the drinking world. But it wasn't like I, I must have just started drinking beers because they were cheaper and you just, I guess you try all these things, mm. parties and stuff. But I, no, I never liked beer from the yeah. get. And I think like the beers that were, that I was having were more like, you know, spates and mm. like light lager beers rather than yeah. what I like now, which is, you know, IPAs and that sort of thing, yeah. but that was a yeah that was a slow transition. I, it took I had to pretty much train my palate to like beer. Yeah, I don't know why I was committed on getting okay. myself to like it, but yeah, yeah, I yeah. And I was like, and then like I'd get older, and, and then it'd just be like, Mum would be like, I hey, have a bit of space and mix with a bit of lemonade, so it wasn't like you know, <laughs> right? But like I think you know it was the whole idea of it, right? Rather than you know, because especially when you get into teenage years. Mm. And you want to go party, and it was a whole idea. Like you know, you get a box and you yeah. go to semi semi social. Yeah, sure. Like, you know, <laughs> go to like random house parties, yeah. and like, just it yeah. was the more. Of the, I think it was the idea of it. Like, like yeah, going out at night. Yeah, while fuck with yeah. your friends. Man, that's so crazy. That's so crazy that you that you fuck could drink it that young. Fuck, I I don't remember I when my it. first beer was or like first taste of alcohol. I definitely don't remember. Don't remember liking it. Eh? That's so interesting. Fuck. 
think my first beer, proper beer, would have had to be in a Spates as well. Oh, like, I think when you live in Spates, and, Spates and Stella Artois, man, was the was <laughs> the, the go tos. Yeah. yeah, it's so weird going back personally, going back to Spates now because been so like craft beer heavy recently, and that's what I like in a beer is like mm-hmm. a. Craft beer, IPA, yeah. kind of hoppy beer. Yeah. Going back to Spates, it's like it's kind of like water to yeah. me. It just doesn't have that thing to yeah. it. It just tastes like it just tastes like a student party. You know, it tastes like a Sunday morning, which yeah. is just like <laughs> doesn't appeal to me. <laughs> yeah, anymore. it's interesting. Spates. Some people just like kind of go off it after trying all these new beers. But yeah. I feel like I like craft beer and stuff, but I I never turned down like a good old. <laughs> Glasses, good old like, glasses. Good spates. bottle of spates, you know. It's, it's so just funny, man. It's one of those Dunedin classics, eh? I've yeah. never I've never really liked it. But I think those beers are probably uh, what people are drinking younger anyway, just because they are a wee bit like on an untrained palate or someone having beer for the first time. It's mm. and they're like, cheap. Yeah, you and wouldn't grog. Yeah, exactly. You wouldn't wanna um you wouldn't want to give, I guess, a super strong hoppy beer to someone for their first taste of beer, you know, because that's going to be even worse than trying yeah, space for the it's first quite, time. Yeah, it's a bit, a bit tougher. <laughs> <laughs> but, you know, again, some people would, would like it, you know. Yeah, for yeah. sure. Yeah, each to their own, I suppose. But, yeah, no, I definitely had to train myself to like beer. That wasn't, that wasn't something that was fun from the get-go. Mm. <laughs> so tell me, man, after your exhibition is closed, how do you feel about it all? Did it go down the way you'd planned? Any, any post um, sort of thoughts, anything you would have changed or...? Um, I, you know, I just, I used all the tools I could get at my disposal. So like getting the space was like really tough. It was like trying to get a space was like no one, especially after COVID, there was so many spaces, but no one wanted to rent out their space. Right. Like I was trying to get places on like George Street, like just like those empty shops. Mm. And foot traffic areas. And like... Uh, courts and cutlers, I like, gave them a call. One of the ladies, like, you know, she actually rang up the guy that owned a couple of the spaces and he's like, you know, how much is, his, you know, is he offering? He's like, oh, like 300. And he's like, like, we just turned down someone who offered a grand right. just for a week. He's like, they're just like, no one wants to have them open for some reason. I was like, oh, that's weird. Like, that's money right there. Okay, right. for one week. Yeah. All you have to do is I like, turn the power on. But yeah, for some reason, the owners just didn't want a bar of it. So, Interesting. Yeah, it became like a bit of a mission. And then Matt Galloway, one of my lecturers at Polytech, he had a friend who is a designer and they've got a space up in Al Bell Chambers, which is just above Al Bar. On, on right uh, Stewart Street. Lower yeah, Stewart, Stewart, Stewart Street. And so he's like, yeah, I've got a space for you. There's like a few artists up there, but they've got a room there that you can have the space. I was like, mean, like this is like, Perfect. Like two weeks out yeah. from getting from the exhibition, I was like, I need to do this ASAP. So went that day to check the space out, walked upstairs. It was like real weird. Like had to walk up like three flights of stairs mm. and then walk through these weird rooms and then into this studio space. As soon as I walked in, I was like, no. Straight away. It was so bad. Fuck. It was like tiny and there was like no good lighting. Yeah. It was just like this crapper spot. I was just like, just walked in, walked out and I said, like, I'm not. I don't want this yeah. space. And like, plus because my brother, at like, that day, my brother, he hit me up. He's like, oh, I heard you need a space and stuff. And he's like, I've got a mate, Nick James. Yeah. And Nick James said he's can suss you with a spot. And it turns out Nick James is, you know, Chris James's son. Chris James, he owns like just a ridiculous amount of properties okay. in, in the Dunedin Centre. And uh, so Nick James basically just like, you know, come come through. I've got a space on my place for you. So I went and meet him the next day 
And he's like, yeah, that, you know that data place that we that we that we oh, data. that we space. It's called Data. Sure, it's yeah, right yeah. beside Estelle Flowers. Yeah, and he's like, yeah, you can have this space, man. I was like, oh, sweet, like this is good. Like, oh, down down like George Street in uh, Mario Place, like right upside Rialto. Oh, true. Yeah, yeah, yeah it's sure. Like a little yeah, little yeah. kind of gallery shop thing. Yep. It was empty. He's like, yeah, you can have this space, man. I was like, sweet, because I'm trying to take anything I can get. Yeah, for right sure. Now. It's getting to the pressure mm. point. Yeah, and that was a good spot. So. And then we were checking out the spot, and he's just like, you know, how big are your paintings? I was like, pretty big, man, but like, I'll, I'll, I'll got to make do, you know, yeah. what I, whatever I can get. He's like, oh, I got a space across the road, and I was like, oh, sweet, let's go check it out. Went across the road, upstairs, yeah. above Dog with Two Tails, and that's like an old theater. And he's like, yeah, you can have this one if you want as well. And I was like, oh my gosh, this is like Way the better. perfect spot. Yeah. And yeah, he's like, yeah, have it, boom, traded him yeah. a painting, and. The space was perfect, fit, fitted the paintings like Absolutely. really well. Yeah. And then, so I got them up and then the next issue was like stressing me, it was lighting because mm. like I wanted the open night to not be just like an exhibition really light. I wanted it to be a vibe, you know, you kind of walk in and it's kind of like low light. The paintings, yeah. the only thing that's lit up are the paintings and people can drink and yarn and like yeah. a low light, a comfortable light, um, which kind of like the lighting is so important because it separates kind of the, it's kind of like, you know, you walk into a, a, a gallery or something, it's really well lit, it's mm. quite bright and you walk around. But like for an open night, the whole idea of it being at night as well and like having alcohol and stuff is mm. like for me, I kind of wanted it to be more of a show. Yeah. And that, that was kind of important to get the lighting right. So I went to Mitre 10, like got these little lights, but they were crap because you couldn't adjust. It was just like a blue light. It was two lights that okay. cleared off the paintings and then – at Polytech, they had these lights, and I was like, oh, can I borrow these lights? And she's like, yeah, I've got seven of them. These, like, big-ass lights. Yeah. And I was like, yeah, I'll grab them, took them to the space, lit them up, and you could change the the light from, like, a warm light to a cool light. So oh, for true. each painting, you could, yeah. you could like, adjust it. Didn't, some didn't paintings affect the colour too much. Yeah, because, yeah. like, some of the paintings had, like, blues and mm. cool, cool colours, and some of the paintings had, like, a warm colour, so you could, like, adjust that lighting. So did you have to do that quite a bit? Yeah, so oh, that, that was like a good day to just like kind of adjust the lighting mm. for each painting. And it was main, like it just worked, like I was so stoked on how the lights like just sunk into the paintings because like the glare was like a big stress for me. And then it worked, it was main. Um, the expression went really well, smoothly, good yeah, people, I good vibes. So um, yeah, like it was just the crowd that really kind of made it. You know, hundred percent what yeah. it was, yeah. and you know, it was like you say, it was a, it was a show yeah. more than it was just you know. There's something about walking into a, a gallery where there's just no one around, or there's just like a couple of people looking. It's really echoey and atmospheric, like yeah. it was when I came and saw you the the other day. Mm. Like that feel, that's totally different to yeah. coming into an opening like yeah. what you was. I think that turned out really well. And I remember our conversation we had a few months ago. You were telling me what you had in your head for how it was how he wanted it to turn out. Mm. And as soon as I walked in there, I was like, that's exactly how I'd pictured, yeah. like how you were that's explaining it to me. So I was like, that's, that's why I, I was so overwhelmed by it. I was like, fuck, you've actually been able to put your idea and execute it, yeah. you know, it's crazy. Yeah, the execution is so important for yeah. a show, especially for like a first exhibition. 100%. You know, I really believe in doing doing what you're going to do, do a full pie, don't half ass yeah. it. So, so that, like, that really is your first show yeah. of any kind. Yeah. Yeah. You've had works up in sort of minor... Yeah, I had, a, I had a couple paintings up in the Otago uh, mm. Society and the railway station. Had two up there like last year. Yeah. Um, you know, good people and stuff. But it just wasn't my vibe again. Like it wasn't, I didn't want that. It's tricky in those art. communal spaces though. You're really, really yeah. limited, like pretty much 
Yeah, and they were completely limited. And to they what were you could like do tight. It. They were tight. They had like other paintings below it, which yeah. didn't match the color at yeah. all. So like Just you know, didn't have the effect. Again, like you know, you you want to be able to complement your paintings, mm. and complementing your paintings means that the vibe and the whole space, the kind of you know that atmosphere, atmosphere has to be. It has to be an uh, atmosphere that can complement your paintings rather than, you know, drain it or suck it away. Yeah. That's why I feel like when I walk into a gallery, I kind of always just, like, walk around really fast, skim the paintings. Mm. But, like, you know, it's just, like, it's it's all up to personal, like, preference, yeah. really, like, how you want it to be. Definitely. But, like, to me, I, I knew I had – I knew what I wanted. I knew I had to do this right. Yeah, definitely. And because like, just my own <clears throat> fulfilment. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, you've got to you've got to get it the way you've got in your head. Otherwise, it just doesn't just doesn't have that feel for you. If you're not happy with it, how can you expect other people mm. to be happy with you know? But I think the thing with those like community galleries and that sort of thing is like they're they're a good platform for like for beginner artists to get their work out because you you pay a small fee. You're part of the group. You can exhibit works whenever they have exhibitions, and that's awesome to be able to have some sort of consistency and be able to put your work into stuff all the time. Because like yeah. um, you've obviously had like the paintings that were in the exhibition of yours, you've had yep. those for a couple of years. So yep. it's been a really big build up for you to actually get something together. And granted, once it's all together, it's totally worth it. And like mm. you get it the way you want. And it's, it's, it's amazing yeah. to see that. But at the same time, yeah, it's, you, you want to be out, you want to have that consistency as well. Cause like you, you're, you're on the map now. Mm. So like now you've got to be thinking, what am I going to do next? How soon is it going to be as you know, I don't want to leave it too long. Yep. So yeah, there's ups and downs to it. It's it's good. To, it's good. Those community art communities are good for getting your stuff out there yeah. consistently, and that's what's been helpful for me. I haven't really been able to. To be fair, I shouldn't say I haven't been able to because I haven't really been trying. But like getting something of my own is quite hard. And and as you say, like looking for a space for so long, looking for the perfect spot doesn't come easy. You know, you no. got to know people, and you got to you got to make sure that the space can work for you. And like those other places you looked at, well, they they sounded more like they were workspaces rather yeah. than they were like gallery spaces. Yeah. The first one at Albo Chambers was definitely just like a little studio. Yeah. And I was like, no. Nah. <laughs> like oh, this that. is two Straight years. Away. This is like one and a half year, two years yeah. worth of work of like paintings that I've yeah. been working on, like chipping away at. And like I could have had like an exhibition last year, but I knew like I was like I, these paintings aren't finished. Like even the ones I did like two years ago were sitting there. I was like, it's not finished. Like paintings like take it. Some mm. some paintings, you know, you can be like, bang, it's done. Yeah. But then like other paintings, you just got like kind of add bits. You know, keep keep it sitting there and just like add bits. And that's what I kind of did. So I had right. like most of them most of them done. By like, uh, probably like most of them done by like halfway through this year, and they were just kind of all sitting there. And I was like, "Yeah, that needs a little bit there. That needs a little right. bit there." So it wasn't really about. It's not really about finishing works to perfection. It's about finishing them until they're finished. Yeah, you right. know, because they're actually sit on them forever, and they can always be perfected and yeah. added. Yeah, I was going to ask you about that. It's just knowing that's finished. Yeah, case. right. Like, that's finished. So it's not perfect, but it's finished. Yeah, and I suppose and only you are going to know that when something's finished, of course. But yeah, I was going to ask you because, like, because of some of the pieces that were in the exhibition were quite old. Yeah, you've obviously added. Now that you, from what you've said, you've added a bit to some of the old ones as well. Like I, I can't imagine that. Like personally, I sort of get sick of some of my paintings after like a month. You know, yep. couldn't imagine after a couple of years. So like, is that sort of what you had to do to get them ready for now? Is just sort of yeah. Add so to that it? was that was another tough thing as well because you also you move forward in life. So mm. like your ideas and everything grows yeah. and moves in a 
and a and a kind of a forward motion. So it was like I felt Especially like when you're young, the, you know, two yeah. years of time is a big exactly. span so of time to have a mindset yeah. change. So if you look at the like one of the first big ones I did, and then compare that one to the most recent one I did, and the exhibition, like before the exhibition, like if I had, when I had them all lined up, the newest one I did compared to the oldest, they were just completely different. Yeah. But like that kind of was good because then I could have them all laid out, and then I could go, okay, well. I can like bring this one up a wee bit and like put something in here and like add a couple of things like one of the old ones I added like the ballerina I had right. I brought in a model took a photo of the model added that so it's also kind of interesting because you can actually work on the past and like kind of just play it's all just like playing with old ideas mm. and just like mm, how can I mix that with some of the new ideas I'm playing with yeah do you ever do too much with it um because I suppose I know, like, it's sandboxing, man. Like this whole exhibition, all these paintings were just like a big sandbox for me. They mm. all looked different, and it was just playing. Like I was just spewing my my ideas out, like everything. Yeah, I just wanted to get it out and onto the canvas. It was just like sandbox. Like that's why they all looked completely different mm. to one another. And now I'm like all those paintings. I'm like, you know, it's done with them. I'm now. so I was over them like. like months ago I'm just like now I'm focused on like the next one yeah and like now I'm just I want to make it bigger and better and you know and it might be hard for you to explain this in uh with your you know your own perception on your work but like do you think that the stuff that you've got in mind now is going to be quite different from the stuff that was on display there like do you think you're taking sort of a new route route um yeah uh there's like there's there's you know, there's a lot of kind of dialogue and context in the old paintings that are just based on how I was feeling at the time and what I was going through. Yep. So, like, now my ideas and, like, it's a lot of my ideas are kind of just fueled by what I'm doing in life. Right. And, like, what I'm going through or whatever, whatever's happening. But in a aesthetic point of view, like, there's definitely a lot of, a lot of styles that, that I'm going to stick with. Yeah. But just like just kind of fine tune it and and kind of point it in a direction and like a more you know in my opinion just a better direction for me and that what's sure. what suits me it's like it's identity yeah you know it's like finding your own identity but then there's this other thing it's like this whole idea of painters need to you know paint their paintings quite similar so people can be like, oh, that painting's that artist because mm. they do everything in that same style. Mm. And it, I find that really tough because, like, at some points I want to paint, like, some really, like, you know, Renaissance-like style and then at other times I just want to, like, graph and then other times yeah. I just want to paint some realism and other times I just want to, like, sketch and just, mm. like, you know, just get real messy with it. And that's kind of like a bit of a... It's, yeah, it's kind of like it's totally at your discretion, and it's kind well. of conflicting in a way because I'll paint, I'll paint a, I'll paint something with like really high detail, and then I just kind of go, oh, like I just want to mess it up, you know? Right. So I like go just paint all over it, and it's just like kind of, that gives me that satisfaction. So it's yeah. just like those two ideas, like that's where I'm at right now. I'm trying to like paint paintings with like like Renaissance because I love that age, mm. like the classical period and stuff. I just love that kind of stuff. And then I've also like loving the, the my own modern ideas and everything, and I'm just trying to like find a middle ground between mm. those two, and like, and it's like a conflicting dance between the two. Sure. It's just like going through history, and kind of just like finding ideas and kind of like just doing me, you know. Yeah. And it's just like 
Yeah, it is what it is. And yeah. you just gotta you just gotta put your ideas on the paintings. And like that's what the the painting it was called Rebirth. Um had rebirth on it, but the painting was actually called Check Your Pants. And that was the one with me when I was like <laughs> yeah, in the yeah. checkered pants. Yeah. And that was kinda that painting was it, it means like sometimes you just gotta fly through your past, fly through your mind and just like pick out ideas and just like just chuck it on paper. Right. You know, that's like how I communicate. You know, sometimes I just got so much on my mind it's just like that gives me peace to just put it on paper. Right, that's so interesting. It would have been cool to hear that perspective from you. Like, I, I can picture the work in my head now, but mm-hmm. actually looking at that and being like, okay, I understand that a bit more now. Do you think Do you think that meaning plays a lot in your work? Like, do you think every piece that was in there has, has some story to it yeah. of yours? Everything, or well, most of my paintings usually have about four or five stories because... I want, so like when I paint a painting, I'll have an idea and I'll kind of play with an idea and like whether it's what's happening in the world or what's happening with me, I'll kind of put it up, put it on the painting and then like I'll add something else and then when it's finished, I'll have it on the wall and I'll sit there and just stare at it for like a couple of hours. You know, I'll just sit there and look at it. I'll wake up in the morning like because my studio is in my room. Right. So I'll lie in bed. I find it tough to get up because I'll just sit there and stare <laughs> at the paintings for ages and yeah. just like kind of come up with different stories. And that's like the great thing about art is you can make your own story. Yeah. So like one of them, you know, well, most of them I have about four different storylines. Like that means that, that means that. It's fun. It's a game, you know. You just, you make up your own story because creativeness just never ends. Mm. Does that... Um does that limit you in any way? Just this is question. This is sort of coming from my perspective on on that point in particular. Do you find like sometimes you you want to paint but you can't because you don't have an idea, or do you think you always have ideas that you can go to and, and put something down? Like do you yeah. do you ever paint with no intention? I guess is yeah, my question. That's that's with no intention. That's when I when I start doing gestural drawings. Okay. So like I'll have my my. A3 book and I just like I need to put pen on paper I yep. just get charcoal out and just start drawing right and just like whatever comes in my head I'll just draw it bang 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 yeah. and then like that usually it kind of ignites it, something yeah it just like ignites and it kind of like you know waters an idea and then you just grab that and take that into the next page and right. add this add that well, okay yeah and like whatever you might be you might have seen something or you might have an idea in your head of you know how you view the world like a lot of that a lot of my paintings uh, based on how I view society in the world, right? Not like not many people ask me what what they mean, but like you know, I guess that's all right. I feel like know? it's a question that's sort of lost in our generation, or at least in like millennials, because like personally, when I I don't always look for meaning in art. Like art is purely visual for me. Like mm. I know when I like something or not, purely based on that first impression. Mm. And I'm I'm usually never asking what does this mean. I just yep. I'm taking it for face value a lot yep. of the time, which potentially is the wrong approach, of course, for someone that definitely, like yourself, has these definitely stories and things in, in the paintings. But it's hard to, um, yeah, try yep. and incorporate that. And it, it's it's good to hear, um, I guess, people's interpretations. But, yeah, a, a lot of, for me, is just purely what it, what it looks like. Yep. And I think a lot of people probably feel that same way. Like exactly. they just they yeah. just know that they like that by looking at it rather than go like, oh, well, why have you done this or yeah. that, you know? Yeah, and I, I love that as well like so much like most like some people they ask me you know what do you mean i just kind of give them a real kind of shallow answer because i want them to figure it out for themselves and right. make their make their own story yeah and like you know, you know i always everything comes from an idea and but at the end of the day like when i look at a painting like when i'm 
working on a painting, it's coming to like, you know, I'm getting quite close to finishing. I'll just go, you know, ask myself just like, is it done? Is it finished? Does it need more colour? Does it need more this? And then it goes from meaning to just your own view and just how you want it to look. And it's just like, is it finished? Is it good? Is it bad? You know, does it need more of that? And then, yeah, it just comes down to like, you can either have meaning or you can just, you know, have face value, aesthetically pleasing paintings, you mm. know. And that's, you know, the glory of it. You know, you yeah. can do whatever you want. Yeah, yeah, that's that's the mindset that you need to keep as an artist is that you do have that freedom and no one should ever tell you that something is this way or that way, mm. you know. But like I say, you want, you know, a lot of the time you want people to give you their interpretation of what it is to them. I've had that quite often without asking for it, had people tell me what they see in something. Yeah, I love when I get that. Yeah, Cause it's interesting to get a yeah, different I love when people come up to me and go, I see this, I see that, this is what I think. You know, and like that's that is satisfying for me. That means like when I hear like that, it's like someone's reading a book. Yeah. You know, and that's like the whole idea is like when you look at a one of my paintings, you read it and you you make whatever you want out of it, and it's kind of annoys me when people look at a painting and be like, "What are you trying to say here?" I'm like, "Well, you don't read a book yeah. and then ask the author what it was about." Right. You know, you've just you can do you whatever ma- you, you want. You can ask for my perspective. Yeah. yeah like fine. Yeah, yeah. But like. You know, just just make you be creative and make your own like mm. idea up. Like it's sure, yeah. Do you ever get annoyed at that though? Because I feel like like when people sort of make their own view on something, or they say, "Oh, this from this this sort of is this does this mean this?" Or this reminds me of this. Or oh, I can see that you know you've oh that looks like such and such. Surely there's points at which someone's made a made a thought or a theory about something and it is like the polar opposite to what you mentioned it. Have you ever come across that um, before? I've never, uh, maybe. Like, you know, I've definitely had people, you know, a few good artist friends come through and be like, you know, uh, they'll ask me what it means. I'm like, well, you tell me what you think, you mm. know. And then they'll say something like completely like, you know, mm. what what wasn't I wasn't intending. But it, it was kind of... It was on the right track, but it, they've, they've just gone kind of, they've made something up from themselves that was different rather than not, you know, well, not what I was intending, but different to my perspective. Mm. And I kind of find that interesting because it, it it's like, oh, man, that's that's interesting. I didn't think of that, you know. That's like another story, you know. Like like I said, you know, I can make up, you know, four, four or five stories out of painting and they're just showing me their story. And, mm. like, and they'll say, oh, is that what you're trying to say? I'm like, no, nah, no, nah, it's not what I was trying to say. But that's what you're but saying. That's your interpretation. That's, your interpretation. You can keep, yeah. Yeah. that's so interesting. And then I'm like, yeah, this is my pres- this is my story. Yeah, yeah. painting. You know, and yeah, that's, that's sure. the fun of it. You know, you can yeah. play with stories. And it's I poetry, suppose, man. like, I suppose, if someone looked at a painting of yours and wanted to to buy it, for example, they're probably going to buy it based on a story that they've made for themselves about it. You know, would you rather someone, you know, purchase something off you based on that sole decision that? that they've come up with a story from that painting of their own yep. and don't actually know the deeper meaning or would you want everyone to know what it is you were trying to achieve? I, I, would definitely, I definitely prefer them to buy it because of their own mm. and how it connects to them because that gives me so much satisfaction yeah. just to like make someone else happy or make so, it connect to someone yeah, else. Yeah, that's pretty powerful. And that, you know, makes me happy. Like doing make, me actually putting paint on a canvas and me just making something and that connecting to someone else mm. is the ultimate goal. Yeah. You know, right. that's 
that's art. Eh? Yeah, that is just like it's so powerful. You yeah. can change someone's life through a painting. Yeah, it's crazy. It's a crazy. And like, in a, you know, I don't, I don't mean that in a bad way, because, you know, like there was a story my friend told me. He's like, you know, there was a, a, a guy who was just going, going through so much tough times in his life. He was so depressed, and he was like a photographer. And this really inspired me. This, like, I don't remember the full details, but it was pretty inspiring. But this guy was going through so much crap in his life. He just didn't even know what meaning was. He was a middle-aged guy. I didn't know what meaning was. He just, he just kind of wandered through, and he was pretty depressed. And he was just, he was a photographer. And then he came across this painting, and as soon as he saw it, he just like lit up, and he was just like spoke to him, and basically he, it changed his life around. And he just like he was just so inspired by this painting that he saw. That it made him so happy, and he, you know, he he didn't buy it, but it was just like he saw something in it that really kind of gave him some fulfillment and answers to his own life, right? And it just like kind of changed him, and it just like turned him into a happy guy, and just you know, really gave him satisfaction. And from there on, he was just a kind of it's like another perspective yeah. of life, and that's so cool because like when you can touch someone through a piece of painting like a piece of artwork in any sort, like music. That's why you know, a lot of people make music is mm. to connect with other people. Mm. And it's the same with painting. It's like when you see someone, like, see your art and they have a smile or, you know, it's just that's gratification right there. Mm. And that's, like, why I love doing it because it brings me happiness to see other people connect to my yeah, artwork. That's, that's really powerful. And that sort of goes to show how, like, similar we all are. And it's so easy to get caught up in your own head and you think you know what it is that's going to make you feel better. And a lot of times I think people in those circumstances, I definitely can't speak for, for anyone in this situation, but I, f I feel like just in sort of some personal experience have sort of realised that like sometimes the only thing that makes me feel better is having time to be sad, you know? Mm. And sometimes you feel like you're the only person that can actually make yourself feel better or a certain way. And the fact that someone can paint something or make something that resonates on that personal level with someone for them to turn their life around, like mm. in the case of this guy, is kind of like a strange thought. Like mm. you think we're all so unique and we are all so unique in that way, but that sort of goes to show that we are similar and we get yeah. we get inspiration from similar things. It just just got to it's tweak like it a, to it's the It's like individual. a connection of hearts. Yeah. You know, you connect, you connect to someone's heart through... A painting it's the door you know you could look at it that way yeah right and you know you just connect hearts and like that's warming and that's you know that's you know humanity man <laughs> yeah, humans we exactly, designed to connect because exactly. the only thing we've got to give is is our love you know yeah. and like when you can when you can do that through art you know that's that's pretty cool has you had any responses similar to that at the exhibition like people that have bought them they sort of said it resonated with them or was it purely again just that sort of face value um most people that bought a painting just loved it and just said yeah i love it i want it yeah you know but the most gratification i got was just everyone that came and the smiles and people would just lit up like i really just want to make an atmosphere where people walk into a whole different world they yeah. walk into you know a mindset I think and they come in and they're mind blowing and they're got like a this this facial expression mm. that they're just like happy and it's just like that's why I do it because oh, fuck, like I have man. friends like you know yourself and like yeah. people coming through yeah. and they're just like stoked to be there and they're just you know like gives you know they go home they didn't go to an exhibition they yeah. went to a show definitely and yeah. you know it's almost 
you know, it's almost a performance in a way and it's just like it's nice to be able to, you know, put a smile on someone's face. Absolutely. I think... Sweep them off their feet. Yeah, yeah. And and those those kind of events are so inspiring too. Like I bet a lot of people saw that. I know I definitely, myself included, went up and saw that and thought, fuck, like this is how it's supposed to be done. This is what we should all be striving to achieve. This is where our work should be ending up, you know, whatever platform it needs to be presented in the way it's supposed to be presented, you know. And and it sort of kicked me into gear about the fact that you shouldn't half-ass things because I've been half-assing a lot of stuff in my life and sort of just deciding that things are done sooner than they should actually be done or just getting stuff out there for the sake of getting it out there. Yeah. Like I think it's quite admirable to see what you've done. You've been able to hold on to work for such a long period of time. Granted, mm-hmm. there's been tweaks here and there. But mm-hmm. to be able to present stuff that you've had for like two years, personally, that's like, fuck, that's crazy. I couldn't imagine presenting anything. Like I guess depending on how much work you were producing in between the, the time between like an old painting and a, and a new mm-hmm. exhibition. I just can't imagine that. Yeah. And it's it's just, like, you just got to look at it like the painting lives its own life. Yeah. It's not about, that's how I look at it. So it's like, it's not about me getting it out there. It's about when the painting is ready to start breathing. You know, so it's like working on a, a your own project. Mm. As you're, you're working on a, a, a life force. Like the paintings, when you, when you put it out there, they're off into the world. They're living their own life. So it's like, it's not me that needs to get it out there. It's the painting that needs to get out there, but it won't. I won't put it out until that painting is ready. Right, you know, and that's purely just the connection. You pull out of the womb until yeah. it's ready to pull, pull right. out, you know, and then it starts breathing. It's yeah, life. that's a good analogy. But I suppose only you're going to know that. You know, it's yeah. just that's the connection you have with the work. Mm-hmm. Like, and, and that's what's interesting and something that I I personally can't do is add to things later on. I think in 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 your case, like you paint pretty flat, so it is reasonably easy for you to, to go over with something later on but yeah it's funny I mean you could still do that, that with your thick words like, oh definitely could yeah. definitely could but I I can't mentally can't do that like but like, you'll, you'll like get there you've only just started yeah out, for you know? sure for sure but I don't know I think it's more in my case it's more like um, the short span of time that it takes me to finish something is kind of what it's about you know I don't want to have to add something the next week because next week me could be different yeah. from yesterday's me, you know, when I started it. So uh, what it's about for me is really just like that time and place, yeah. what's happening then yeah, and there. It's just like another style of, yeah. of doing things. And I have, I have gone back to old stuff, but yeah, anyway, yeah. I was going to say... It's kind of like uh, George Kondo. Yeah. Like he, like, all, like a lot of his works is just based on a feeling at that point in time, mm. you know, and that's, that's, that's it, that's it, that's, it. that's him right there in that, that moment in time, that's how he, how he was feeling. You know, and it's just like a different way of doing art. Mm. Does he does he finish his paintings fairly quickly? Yeah, I've seen I've seen I watched him in action, off, but I was only it was only him doing big um, like oil pastel, sort of just black on white. That was, was that, that we half an hour doco. Mm. Yeah, yeah, that's so cool to watch. That's just like, like, really nice. It's so satisfying. To watch really him satisfying. With that, yeah, with that, you know, oil but oil some pastel. of his more intricate paintings, like this stuff. Those those really abstract faces that he does didn't realize he came came out with those so quickly. Like it's yeah. pretty impressive to to get it's something amazing. like that out in a day. You know, it's just practice, practice, practice. Yeah, yeah. And I suppose once you've got techniques down, you can just sort of go full whack. Yeah. yeah. But to your point before, where you were saying, you know, you've got to wait until the painting's finished. 
it's it's interesting when you're in the creative point or when you're in the process, I, I mean to say, how, I mean, you're the only one obviously that's going to define when your painting is finished, but someone else might not want anything onto it, you know. Someone might not, might see a painting and might like it if it didn't have that bit there. Not saying specifically yep, that anyone nice. would say that, but in some cases, I'm sure someone has looked at any given painting and say, oh, "I like that if it didn't have that little bit yep, on them." I've had that. Yeah, you've had people yep. say that to you. That that red, the check your pants painting. Mm. I had a person come in and say, um, "I would have definitely bought it if it didn't have the rebirth graph on it." And I was kind of like, you know, I was like, "Yeah, whatever." Right. I don't really care. It's not your painting. <laughs> yeah. I, I paint it the way I want to paint it. Yeah. And and that actually same person ended up buying it. Oh, really? <laughs> so it was like, um, <laughs> it's okay. Like, you know, everyone's got their own opinions. Yeah. And that's fine. But like, when I hear that, I don't really like mind. You know, it's okay. It's just kind of, there's a side of me that gets annoyed. You know, there's a side of me that goes, you know, <laughs> Screw you. Yeah. <laughs> but like there's a side of me that's just like, you know, it's all good. Like just whatever. Everyone's, everyone's you know, doing their own thing. Yeah. Everyone likes what they like and I'm, I would prefer people be honest, you know. For sure. Yeah, absolutely. That is, that is quite ironic though that they still purchased it. Not to say, I get, obviously wasn't something that was detrimental in their decision making. <laughs> but still, yeah, interesting yeah. to get that feedback, you know. And, and that sort of, it, it was almost an insult in a way I feel. Or someone saying, oh, I love it but... If it didn't have that, you know, it's kind of like, well, that is obviously, like in your case, mm. that's something that's pretty heavily consistent in your work, you know. It's like if it doesn't have that, it's almost not a, yeah. a silence in a way. Exactly, because like it's, it's like when, like what I was saying before, when you've, like the painting's breathing on its own. Mm. It's like uh, it's like saying, you know, I wish that person didn't have that yeah. moustache. Right. It's like, you know, that's that man. He can do yeah. whatever he wants to do. <laughs> Let him have the moustache. Like. That's such an interesting perspective, is. man. That's yeah. so interesting. I think, yeah. And and, and like, it's like it's like it's not you know a bad thing, but it's like that's that person. He's like yeah. he's got his own personality and stuff. Yeah. So it's like you know whatever. When do what you want to do? Do you just have like a gut feeling? Like I don't I don't know how to how to really ask anyone this question, but like to know when something's finished, like you know the works that you've had for a long time and the ones that you've ended up tweaking later, was there a point in between, you know, you adding to it and when you finished it at the time that you thought it was finished then? Like, do they almost, you know, to to put it in the metaphor, come back alive? So, like, there's a painting that died and then kind of... Yeah, or not necessarily died, but, like, you thought it was ready to go, mm -hmm. but then a year later... Yeah. You decided it wasn't. There was a painting I did that was on the end. It was it was called Ignorance's Bubbles. Did you remember that one? It had the it was like gold. It was like gold. It had the little Tahiti girl in it. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. And um, that one was in the studio in, the, in my room for ages. And I was just like, I did it. I was like, yeah, this is how it's gonna look. I envisioned it. Bang, did it. I was like, this is not working. It's like I don't know what to do with it. it was sitting there for months. And it was just wasn't working. It, I actually hated it. And then I added the, it was just the colour. I added the hearts and the skulls. And that's all I did. And it just went boom to life. And I was like, that's it, done. Whoa. And it was just like, it, you know, it can take months before you know exactly what it needs. Right. You know. Man, that's so, 
That's so interesting. But when you do know what it needs, like some paintings aren't don't doesn't go like that. You mm. know, some every painting's different. But like for that in that case, it was just like I put that there, bang, it's yeah. done. That's exactly what it needed. Right. And that's another thing is like you don't want to overdo it. Yeah, I think that's what I fear about that process mm. is being like, I really like it as it is, but it could look really nice with this and then butchering it, you know. Yeah, my, my advice to that would just to be go for it because when you're just starting out as an artist, it doesn't actually matter. Just keep, just overdo it, mm. overdo all of them and mm. it doesn't matter because like you, once you, you know, you got to know your boundaries, you got to know your line, but to know that line, you've got to really push it. So mm. like just, you know, sandbox and just play because it's all play. Mm. But like that'll define your works better because then you know the next one, you've got a better idea and a better mm. understanding about yourself and about the painting, you know. You, you know, okay, I can push it far, but I know not to push it, you know, this far or, you know, it's mm. like, so that's why I was just like, with my first ones, I just keep going, keep going, you know, overdid most of them. Yeah. But it's like, it's all good because now I know, you know, I know where the line is and I, each painting's different. Some of them will need to that's be... That's true. That's uh, true. You know, figure it's, it's it out. Different, by, but it's just like, yeah, just, yeah my advice is just definitely go for it. Don't yeah. be worried about what you think. It needs to be perfect because, right. you know, we've got a full lifetime. So yeah, it's like, for sure. It's yeah. all just practicing and just doing whatever you want to do. Right. To speak technically on that, you mainly use acrylics, correct? I, I use a quite a, I use a, uh, acrylics, mainly acrylics, mm -hmm. and then Indian ink, charcoal, and oil. So there, are, there is a bit of oil in that as well. Yeah. How do you find going back? I don't have a big perspective on this in terms of like how people typically paint with oil paints, especially stuff that does take a while. But like painting on oils again. Like once it's dried, in my experience, it doesn't look very nice. Well, after doing like a second layer, yeah, I found it really good. I think I don't know if it's just my work that I don't like it on, but because I I don't paint paint flat at all. My stuff is very mm. thick application, so painting on top of that with more oil, personally, I just think looks wrong. And I'll show you something later on that I've done it on, and I think that's why I've not. Well, then do another again. layer. <laughs> right. You know, just that might, 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 might only be halfway through. Maybe you need at least yeah. another three layers, like um, de Kooning. He will have his paintings in the studio for two years and there'll be like, some of his paintings will have like half an inch thick of paint on it. Yeah. You know, because he's just gone over so, so many, many layers. Fuck. You know, and, and you never know. You just got to keep going, keep going. You might have... You know, you might never know. It could, could have been wrong, but it's okay. Yeah. You know, it's all right. It's just a painting. Man, I just really haven't come to grips with that yet. Mm. I don't know. I don't know why. I think... Just don't cage yourself. Yeah, I don't know. I just think the, the satisfaction I got from painting was purely just getting a result, like, in a day, like, mm -hmm. quickly, within a couple of hours, you know, doing a painting and done. Like, I felt pretty shit this afternoon. Boom, done. Yeah. Pretty, felt pretty good today. Boom, done. Sort Boom. of thing. So coming back to stuff, like I can't imagine doing anything else to this one here, for example. I just can't, I couldn't, I couldn't physically put any more paint on that. Yeah. Yep. I just, I, I think it um, might just be a personal boundary. Like I, I don't, but, I don't but necessarily maybe think that's, I Maybe that's do. like your style, like looking at mm. that painting, like it, you know, it's like maybe it doesn't, you know, need more. Mm. But like, you know, you, you won't know that until you really kind of go over Actually do line. it. Yeah, that's true. Because you can always bring it back, you know, your next painting, you can always mm. bring it back, you know, it's okay. See, so you and I are, I think, opposites in that regard in terms of like what we, because your paintings have a lot of meaning to them. Mine 
don't at all. To me, mm-hmm. you know, someone might see that and like like we like we were saying, find something some meaning in it. But personally, like, I couldn't tell you what anything is about. Yeah. Well, well some of my paintings don't have any. Like, there's I've done paintings mm. just has no meaning. Yeah, and I'm not limited. Yeah, yeah, in yeah, that yeah, way. yeah, no, yeah. Of course. Yeah. But like, you know, it's that's okay because it's just like a visual interpretation. Mm. You know, you just do how you feel and do what you want. Mm. I think I think I just prefer the process more than the end result a lot of the time. Yep. Like I just like the painting so much. Yeah, definitely. And, and definitely like stop when I'm happy with the result. What do you like listen like, to? What do you what do you listen to when you do you paint like with like? Do you listen to what do you listen to? Podcast usually. Oh, yep. you listen to podcasts. Um, okay. Just any long oh, long term long run content. Um, I was listening to music for a bit, but it kind of. It, it, I don't really, I haven't really like figured out whether I'm enhanced by listening to anything or not, whether it's music or podcasting or whatever it is, to really know if it affects me or not. But I think when I, I initially was listening to music, and that usually puts me in a certain mood, but granted that could have been at a time when it was earlier on for me and I was getting quite frustrated with a lot of the stuff that I was doing, but I just feel like whenever I had music on, I didn't actually end up painting something I liked. Yeah. And I think... What kind of music were you? Well, at the time it would have been typical trap, hip-hop sort of mm-hmm. stuff and a bit of house music here and yeah. there. But I think what it was really doing was actually distracting me a wee bit because yeah. number one, in a literal sense, it was distracting me because I had to like change song or, you know, yeah. I like being immersed in the process. So taking me away, even for that second doesn't completely diminish diminish anything i mean at the end of the day i'm still in the zone so Mm. to speak but yeah just having to sort of figure out what it is that i wanted to listen to sort of took me away from the mood that i was potentially in to when i wanted to start painting Mm -hmm. if that makes sense yeah i might have woken up feeling like i wanted to paint today but started listening to music and then took me into a different mood and i might not have had the same result to to take it to a really sort of deep side of things i'm usually not such a, a literal person like that but um, yeah, I just find with podcasts, it's just like, it's just conversation. It's mm. not really putting me in any, in any mood. It's sort of yeah. just learning things or yeah. listening to stories or whatever. Yeah, so it's, it's just, I can still be on my own wavelength, yeah, I sure. suppose. Yeah, 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 for sure. What about yourself? Um, man, I've tried everything. <laughs> like when I first started painting, when I was in like high school, it was, it was like just techno <laughs> and it was just like, I'd be painting at night and just listen to like just heavy techno. And I'd just be like painting. And then after that, I was, you know, just listening to house. I went through a stage of like listening to just heavy trap and that trap didn't really help me paint much. I kind of, I don't, I don't really listen to trap when I paint. I always listen to like Beethoven or deep house and yeah, just like piano and like a lot of Hans Zimmer. And just really spacey, spacey shit, man. Just like, cause you, when, especially when you're painting like fine stuff, you just got to slow your heart rate down, and then you just got to, when you get in the zone, and you listen to like Beethoven and Chopin and stuff. It's just like you're in a whole different world, mm. and like that's what I like. I usually listen to. Where do you think the classical side of you has come from? What do you think it is about? It's weird, man. I've got a real music like, as well. I'm so really. opposed, like. It's a war. Like, I've got just, like, this crazy side and then there's just, like, this ultra just, like, weird, mellow side. Like, I was listening just, like, you know, just a crazy piano and, and just, like... Do your parents even... listen to that sort of stuff? No. Nah. 
You really discovered I, it on your own. And yeah, decided well, maybe my mum a little bit. Mm. Like definitely my mum a little bit. But like, yeah. I mean, obviously, there's no real explanation taste. to why you like something. You you just like it. But yeah. it's it's just interesting. It's quite unique these days to yeah. to have that. I even went through a stage of listening to well, what's this guy called? Um, um, he's does uh, he's like a he's like a busker and like somewhere overseas, but he he does this. He like plays the guitar and he has like a little like you know the little scented candle sticks. He has sure. that in his ta- guitar. He's like real long nails and like really long hair. And he's he does this song as like the golden dragon and stuff and he was just like that's like medieval like time and I was just listen, went through a stage of listening to that because like whatever you I feel like whatever you listen to you kind of go into that whole space mm. so it was just like when I was listening to him that was crazy I can't even remember his name now I've had a mind blank but um come back to it yeah and uh I was like when I was painting I was like fully and like I was imagining while I was painting I was like imagining I was in like medieval times like right. on the street just like at night and just like you kind of just you flow you just go into it like when I'm painting like sometimes I'm not even thinking about painting I'm like imagining that I'm in a different world or in a different time oh. and that's like what I love about getting in the zone because you can sure. go anywhere it's not about locking into like the strokes mm. but the strokes the strokes are just happening happening naturally like there's mm. like a side of my brain that's doing that it's just automatic know, just doing it and then there's the other side that's just like completely locked into where the music takes me Yeah. That's intense, man. I don't think I've ever been really like caught up, caught up in the physical sense of it, but never like mentally engaged that much with the painting before. And I also love. Um, have you heard? You know, one of tricks point never. No. He's he's crazy, man. Deep house. He does like um, he did the soundtrack for like Good Time, and he's done a few other he's done a few other soundtracks for a couple movies, but he's like extremely deep house. And that was mm. he, one of his songs called Chrome Country inspired the Chrome Country painting that I did. Right. Because like I'd listen to it on repeat. Like a lot of songs I'd listen to it on repeat so I could just stay in that mm. vibe. So I'd listen to a song on repeat for like, you know, 10 times. Just this Chrome Country one was just like deep house and mm. it was like, or, there was like choir in it and it was like mixed with like deep house and stuff. So it's like, yeah, he's sick as well. Fuck. Do you ever paint without listening to anything? No, because you're painting. Because you don't. You do, You've been painting basically from your room, right? Yep. You haven't had a, like a studio space. No. I got quite. I quite actually like painting without anything on. Sometimes. Yeah. Sometimes I'm purely just painting, and that's it. And like, granted, in my situation, having a studio here in town. Just having the window open sometimes is enough for me just yeah. to get that atmospheric street Connect noise city, coming man. in Connect with and the just, city. just real raw yeah. mentality towards it, which I, I quite enjoy a lot of the time as well. I'm usually listening to something, mm. but there's definitely been occasions where I haven't been listening to anything. Mm-hmm. And that, I think, is probably when I get more immersed in it because I'm really lost and focused on. Yeah. Lost and focused, kind of contradicting, but I guess focused. Um, on what I'm doing, you know, yep. and those I couldn't tell you which ones I've painted in in that particular scenario, but they're usually the ones that have come out a wee bit better. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Do you Mate. get quite frustrated at at points? Yeah, definitely, man. Like, like, like angry. <laughs> yeah, I uh, yeah, one hundred percent. Like, I'm kind of going towards oil now more because acrylic. Mm. Like. Most all the like, sh- you know, the more the crisp parts of the painting, the acrylic are at least five layers. And sometimes, if I'm working on like a certain section and like 
the brush will drag the paint, not the way I want it. Right. Yeah, I just get really frustrated and I, I'll actually start like if I'm working hard, like I'll be sweating like just because I get like certain, you know, some days you have bad days and some, t- some days you just, it just flows. Right. But like, you know, I get really frustrated sometimes. It's just not working the way I want it. And then I would literally yeah. just finish that coat and just drop it because I'm like this isn't going well. Let that dry and then just go over the whole thing again. So it's purely just how the paint yeah, you know, like because I use like I'm, the acrylics I use aren't like good acrylics. They're pretty cheap because I can't afford like expensive acrylics. Who like, can, man? yeah, I know, it's crazy, man. Little and so, <laughs> so yeah, just like you know, sometimes you get real frustrated if you're doing a fine piece of detail, mm. and then you work for like five minutes on this tiny little section, and then you do one stroke wrong, and it just ruins the whole thing, mm. and you have to go over that that whole like little section mm. again because of one blown stroke. That and that was happening a bit up. with the acrylics. Yeah, well, like not a lot, but like yeah, it would definitely happen. Like if I a few times on a certain. Piece. And I guess the drying time too. You don't have a lot of time to really fix anything that you've done in a shorter period of time. Is that right? I've pretty much never worked with acrylics. So I don't really know. Yeah, it's yeah, it's. I mean, it just it's all about layering. Like yep. at the end of the day, like with acrylics, you'd never do detail on the first layer because right. you know you're just gonna get the bottom colors coming through. The you know you might be. You know, I might do a face or something that's over top of like a blue mm. background, and if you start working detail on that on the first layer, then it's just it's, gonna, just it's a disaster. Yeah. You need to like start off with right. like your thick colors. You just chuck the colors on, like you just blop it where that shade where that shade goes. The second layer, and then you start like finding like you you might bring that color in. You might just like kind of fade that in there, but it's like big brush, big brush, just mm-hmm. slop it in there. Yeah. You just got to get the color down, and then like third layer you start doing a bit finer do another layer fine all over and then let that dry and then the fourth layer then you start working in the high details and then like the fifth layer you'll bring in the highlights the low lights and they're just like finishing details yeah that's interesting to, to hear and, that, and that's when i get frustrated if i do like detail or something too early right or something you know you know if too in a, in a layer too early it's really kind of like easy to do because mm. you want to you want to get a result mm, yeah because sort of like you get you lost see it already and yeah. you don't want to lose a thought yeah like you get lost sense. in it and you're just like okay i'm actually you need to go wait mm. i'm actually doing this way too early i'm yeah. working i'm detailing this right. way too much way too early interesting see i have no uh perspective or insight into how paintings should actually be done in the traditional sense because i don't actually have any skill when it comes to uh the technical side of painting right yeah. to painting something realistic you know what you know? What makes an object an object look the way it does, etc. And how to actually apply the paint in the proper sense of really just sort of figured out the way I like doing it on my own, you know. So hearing hearing that is interesting to see how it's actually supposed to be done, and like how things could actually be implemented, or how reasons for me to actually learn how to do it properly, you know. But I think it's just it's just such a different process to hear, you know. Yeah, I think like I think most people to have like pretty much everyone's probably got a different process you know i just like i didn't i wasn't taught my process i just kind of naturally found it after practicing 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 and i think people have diff- most people do have different processes mm. but this is just the way i found and it's the way that works for me you know i might in the future i might find a different way of doing it but right now that's like the only logical way mm. i'm doing it because it's just what's it's what makes sense to me and that's how it's working do you think you're limited creatively by the space that you're painting in 
Um, like, is it kind of uninspiring? Yeah, at it's it's getting that way. When yeah. you, I've been working in like my room with the little kitchen area for a while, and it's I'm just kind of over. It. I need like a studio. I need a proper space where I can just walk around. Mm. Step you know, back from the yeah, rooms. and just walk around in a space that's not so full of like clothes and yeah. and carpet and you know it's pretty tight. But it's just like once I you know, I'll get a space. I really want to have like the paintings up on the wall and have like it not this tiny little like easel like this easel that I'm working. It's like pretty broken. I've got the big painting on there, but like when I get a space, I want to be able to have like the paintings up on the wall like four four right next to each other and then mm. work on the middle all at the same time yeah. so I can just stand there and go oh, work on that one yeah. okay that's done now let's work on this yeah. one shit yeah that's a good workflow eh? you know yeah and have like four going at the same time yeah that'd be pretty rather crazy. than like taking one off okay that layer's done take, yeah, take it yeah, off and then yeah. bring the other one in it's just like you know you work you end up working too close like visually too close to the painting for sure for sure yeah I guess it's what you want from a studio eh, is to have that creative freedom and space to, to move around and not be cramped you know you mm. want you want physical space as much as you want mental space you know yeah, yeah. space man but we'll get there same same point about finding a space to exhibit you know like finding a space to work in it's going to be the another tricky process I can imagine yeah yeah, yeah we'll, we'll get there because Nick yeah. James he's also he, he's got so many spaces so he's just basically like, talk okay, to him he's like you know next year come talk to me and we can if you want a space, sort one out. Yeah. So it's like, you know, I'm not really worried about that right now. It's more about, you know, money. Yeah, <laughs> absolutely. Next year, oh, we'll, see. Enough, we're gonna, yeah. we'll probably have like a, maybe like a big space, have a few people in there or something. Yeah. But we'll just see how it goes, you know. Yeah, so, okay. Even like try to find a flat that has like a spare room. That'd be ideal. And just like use that as a studio. I'd love to have a studio where I lived. I yeah. feel like that'd be so much better. Like sometimes I hate the fact that I have to like make the walk here, which sounds ridiculous, but I'd much rather... Just have a spot in the place where I live. Like even yeah. just a garage, yeah. you know, sometimes would be okay. I think that would be okay if it was a decent decent size. Just just having the space at home, I just think has a has a certain yeah. dynamic to it as well. Yeah, but, it is quite nice to just have a coffee and then Yeah, exactly. Have some brekkie, go out and stand the stew for yeah, a bit. You don't have to yeah. like change. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Just stand there. Yeah. Drink your coffee. <laughs> <laughs> right, shall we have a quick breather? I need some fresh air. Yeah, man. Worries. Right. Yeah. So when did you take this trip again? That was yeah, a couple so years ago, wasn't it? This was after I went through a real rough patch. I kind of because I'm like Christian. I'm a Christian by that's my faith, and like I went through a, such a rough patch for like a few years, just with like all the the party life and everything, etc. Yeah. Um, the drinking and stuff. So like I uh, just hit rock bottom basically, and then like I kind of came back to my roots because like I went away from Christianity, for, like when throughout school and then throughout when I left school for like a couple of years, and um, yeah, I kind of I just came back to it. Like I knew like I was so far down. Like I had, there's the only one way. Like I could just feel it, and then I basically just like disappeared for quite a while. And just like locked in to mm. like prayer and prayer and stuff for like a few months, and then, you know, ended up like after a week, I wanted like after I got to this point where I was just so, like I was so far out like of the bad shit that was going on. I was just like on the come up, just like mentally, just like coming back and just like starting to get real healthy again, and. You know, I was like, I got to this point. I was like, all right, I need to start doing something now. Like, 
I want to I want to do something. And then like a week later, one of my good friends that was helping me out, Jeff Woodcock, he um, he's starting up. So he's basically it's called uh, freeslaves.org and so that's his um, website that he's like started up and it's like a charity website so it's like freeing slaves from Pakistan and we, me and him are quite good friends. We've been quite good friends for quite a few years now and um, he's basically like, yeah, we're going to Tahiti. We're going to do a mission trip to Tahiti and uh, you want to come? I was like, yeah, let's do it. Like, I need to get out of this place. I need to start acting. Good timing then, I suppose. Yeah, and... Um, I was in such a, like, a strong mental state at that point. Like, I just had to get away from everyone. And I just, like, built myself back up through the Lord and just, like, prayer time and, and Bible and just, like, just like got myself back in the game. Yeah. And uh, went to Tahiti. And it was crazy. It was just, like, like from that moment, I was just, like, life changed. Like, let's go to Tahiti. And so I went to Tahiti and we ran around and stuff. And just, like, that was, like, this is the beginning of just, like, what was to come. So I went to Tahiti and we did like quite a few missions around Tahiti, just like kind of helping people out. And like we had like, there was like a big church mm-hmm. um, gathering from like all around like the New Caledonia and stuff. So we got to like meet a lot of people and just like go around and like help families out that were in need. And we had a few links to a couple families that were um, quite like strong influ- influences on like the people around them. So like we met with them and just like shared the word and like what's going on, like how you need to, or just like how, how to live life properly because a lot of them are so just like uninformed on like just like basic living skills mm. and just like basic health. So it's just like really good to be able to share our knowledge and share our love with them. And so they can from there like spread it on because Tahiti's going through a real rough patch right now. Yeah, so I'll just, just pause you there. So I'm not geographically in tune. So Tahiti is whereabouts? So Tahiti's in like you've got the – the triangle, the Tahitian triangle. So it's like, um, it's like, it's like in the middle of kind of like nowhere in the middle of the uh, like look it up out right of out of New Cal- Caledonian off like oh off okay the Cook Islands kind of like right uh, in the middle of that right. um, yep. that okay. triangle, the Polynesian triangle. Yep. So are they their own like yep. island or are yep. they attached to there? So there's an island called that's so Tahiti's their own island, and then they've got a little island off at the sister island oh, called okay. Marea. But they're so like alone and like their um government policies are pretty cooked like so like the tax is like super high on like importing goods so like it's really tough for them to get like basic basic things like a fridge for instance right it's really hard to like import one in and like have it in your home like it's really hard to like build up a good home with like all like modern modern stuff because like importing goods is just like is so heavily taxed. Yeah. So they all just live in like basically like poverty. Shit. And it's just like, it's pretty hectic. Like most people that go there for like a good holiday or stuff and stuff won't really see the dark side of it. But you know, they're really struggling. Yeah. So so you were there to, to sort of aid that? Yeah. Or and provide just, advice or what Just what like we love get? advice yeah. and just really like meeting the needs of like the, you know, the kind of like, the influences there that we're gonna from there take our influence and our you know advice and our love and and really share that around to the people that need it right and it was just like about meeting people's needs so after that trip 
We, and that was like that little girl that was in the painting. She was buying the bubbles. Mm. You know, that was a photo I took of her that she was a family that we helped out. Yeah. Okay. And came back, sweet as, fueled up. And, you know, it was just like I literally just like just got real stuck into um, the Christian life. And it was just like it wasn't like it's not the Christian life that many people know. Like it's not like a lot of people that our age like – like kind of our generation sees Christianity as like, you know, going to church on a Sunday and being a good person and like it's so different to like how we actually move, like true Christians move. It's yeah. it's not about, it's not a boring lifestyle at all. Mm. It's actually like so much more adrenaline packed if you're, if you're living it right. It's not, it's not religious. It's not tying yeah. you down. But like I've a lot of people heard a lot about Christian groups doing things like that, you know. Yeah, it's really tough to like, because there's so much false stuff going mm. around right now. And it's just like, there's a lot of false Christianity and everything. So it's like really tough, really difficult to move through that. Sure. So then, yeah, we got back and then like a lot of this stuff is just like, all these experiences just like, you know, fuel my art. And it's just like, kind of, I can put that back into it. But so are they? Are they? Are there? Is there a Christian community in Tahiti? Is that sort of why mm-hmm. you guys are going there? There's, is a, there's a small Christian community, and but they're really kind of like un, unformed and like on what's mo- what's 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 going on right now yeah. and like how to move through their struggles. You know, so but they we, know we, what they're a part of. They they know the they know the problems that are going on, and they they're not really well informed on like Christian. Like a lot of their ideas are kind of. Like I'm not. I don't want to say stale, but like they're they're pretty much stale. Yeah. And like they've kind of got the wrong idea. So we're just bringing the a new message, and that's like bringing it back to the first two commandments. It's like, you know, uh, love love God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength, and love your neighbor as yourself. Mm. Like just bring it back to the basics. Yeah. Because those are the two main things that you can't like, you can't live your life under so many rules. You've got to just strip it back to the basics and build your foundations just off love. And that's where happiness comes from, when you love your neighbour as yourself. And that's why I get so much happiness from when I see someone smiling at a painting that I've done or just going for a coffee or something. When I feel that love, making someone else happy makes me happy. Mm. You know, And that's how humans work, by giving. Absolutely. Because you get so much reward by giving someone a gift. Mm. You know, When you give someone a gift, it feels good. You know, if you keep that gift, it doesn't feel as good as when you, you know, give someone a gift. It's just like, it's like a flutter. Absolutely. It yeah. Warm. It's a gift in itself, mm. isn't it? Yeah. So that's like the whole point. That's why we're over there. We're just sharing the, the, the whole idea of just um, the f- like first few commandments because people get so lost in all that. There's like, mm. there's so many, there's so many rules in the Bible, but like a good father doesn't expect his son to obey all of the rules and it's just too much to comprehend. Yeah, yeah. He expects us to just obey the first few and then move through life. And, you know, you start to build yourself. You start from small and you start to build. But people get, a lot of Christians get so lost in, um, and in the whole the whole Bible, and they get too like overwhelmed by it, and they mm. go, oh, "It's not. Co- it's, it's it's got to be complex, you know. It's got to be a this. It's got to be this entity. Yeah, it's got to be like that people be like, no, it's not complex enough. Mm. We got to we got to make it complex, but right. you, it's not. They're just, they're taking away from the the basic, you know, the basic rule and the basic two first commandments, which is just like. You know, what, like, what I said, like, love God with all your heart, soul, mind and strength and love your neighbour yourself. And when you start there and you don't like focus on, you know, everything else, you just got to start there and then you just like, 
everything makes so much more sense and it doesn't become difficult. Mm. You know, you start there and then you can move, move, move next to the next right. level. So, so taking the, going back to the first steps. Yeah. yeah. So, That's interesting. And then we came back and then after a few months, uh, I think it was about a year actually, and then we went, this, this is like the big mission. It was me, Jeff, and um, another friend, Miles, from down in Vicargo, and uh, Kendra from America. She was coming over to do a lot of the footage. And we're like, yeah, let's fire up a mission to Pakistan. We'll move through um, Thailand and we'll go to Dubai. And this is quite a big mission. So we had to keep really low-key. Like, this isn't like a big company. Like, it's just, just like... It's really small, mm-hmm. you know, and it's all legit. Like it's not a big money sucker. Like a lot of like, like a lot of big charities just suck, drain your money, and like, it's it's bullshit. But so we're just like, okay, we got in contact with um, Emmanuel over in Pakistan. He's like a big church leader over there, and yeah, Pakistan's pretty cooked. So we we went to uh, Thailand first. And met up with the young, like young schools there. So Jeff basically organises everything. You know, he's a genius, yeah. <laughs> and and he just like I'm like his kind of wingman. But he, uh, so like when we got there, when we got to Thailand, we met up with a couple schools that were like um, kind of colleges, like small wee colleges in Thailand. And we just met with some of the young guys there, and just like yarned. It was just like super mm. chill, like and just yarned and talked about things, and just like. And, and help them out and just like because they're so like so you know well under, uninformed over there and it's just like yeah. nice to be able to bring the knowledge we have and share that and share that with love is English pretty common there in terms of uh, n- not so much in Thailand it's pretty were you limited to like the people you could actually talk yeah, to yeah it was I, presuming you yeah, only yeah. speak English yeah yeah, yeah I can't I can, yeah. yeah I can only speak English but uh it was, was kind of tough. We had like translators and stuff. Sure, but then okay. we went to Pakistan and most people in Pakistan can speak English mm. because like if you're like it's it's kind of compulsory if you're educated in Pakistan that like the first language they learn is, you know, Pakistani. Like, yeah. And then it's just like straight to English. So like every, most people speak English in Pakistan. So we went to – before we went to Pakistan, we stopped off in Dubai because Dubai is cooked. Like there's so much like – crap going on there with right now like a lot of like a lot, lot of Pakistani people go to Dubai to get a good job right they go to basically and like this is like in a, you know in a nutshell they go to Dubai because they you know the life it's got good jobs they go there they get a job expenses turn out to be way too high for mm. them to live there Can and then imagine. they get trapped mm. because of the labor like they get stuck in these labor camps so they end up just laboring for big construction companies and stuff like right. just like standard trade but they get like paid really low and then that's just like only just enough for them to survive. So we were like, we had to go really under the radar. So it was like to just like get in contact with the guys strapped in the labor camps. So in Dubai, it was like if all your text messages and everything is like watched. So like we had to be really careful. So we had to like Shit. move under the radar. Right on your own, did you have your own phone? Yeah, yeah. Right, so how does, how does that happen? So they... Dubai has like its own Wi-Fi, its own internet system. Right. It's all governed and it's like all watched over like most countries, but it's extremely strict. Right. So we had to be, you have to be super careful what you say because like if you said something that's against, you know, the policy or against, you know, their religion in Dubai or like and it could expose them in any way, then they'll be on you. Like 
you'll see you could be in danger. Mm. And so we just like Shit. we met up with people and then they could get us into the labor camps. We had okay. to move at night. Yep. And we had like a few secret meetings in the labor camps. And we went into the rooms of these labor camps and there's like one small room has like seven seven people living in that room, like seven like grown men all just like workers just like can only just afford to live in there and they can't get home. Mm. They can't get back to their family because it's too expensive and they're just like trapped there. Because so what like religion? The big, the big companies. Yeah, sorry. Muslim. Yeah, right. So how does that compare to Christianity? Like uh, what? what is your purpose in, in these countries specifically? Is it, is it this, the free slaves organization? Yeah, so free, free slaves is really about getting, so I'll get to that. Like the, yep. in Pakistan, it's like there's like people in labor camps, like literally making bricks all day yep. as like slaves. But yep. I'll start from here in Dubai. So we, we getting, got into the camps and it was just like the, when I say camps, it was like, and in Pakistan it's proper camps, but in Dubai it's like just, there's like the camps where people are living in like small houses with like over like overpopulated houses, like they can, they're all bunked up and stuff. Yeah. So we just got to them and like a lot of them were Christian guys and we just like, you know, had like meals with them, like under, under the radar, like, you know, people wouldn't know. And, you know, we just shared with them and stuff and, like, because the only thing we can do right now is just help help them, like, emotionally. And 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 we talked to, the like, a lot of the church, like, leaders and stuff, like, you know, how, you know, we, you know, kind of met them and just, like, shared with them and just kind of give them an insight of what's going mm. and and just shared love. Like, yeah. that's all we can do at this stage for Dubai. And that was really great because Jeff, he's got a lot to talk about and... And we, we kind of just like kind of bounce off each other in a way. And um, so you're sort of just showing up and announce like they're not expecting you guys to be there. You're just well, like, all, all like the pastors and stuff, are, <laughs> they're ready for us. Like it's all kind of, it was some of it's pre-planned, but then a lot of it's just like um, Emmanuel, he was a big plug in Pakistan. So he like hooked us up with them. Okay. And then Pakistan, we went there. And this, this is where it gets super hectic. Right. <laughs> Pakistan, so... Hectic. We were like in the, we're like the only white people on the plane. Like it's sure. crazy. Like it was just like you felt so. It was like when we first got to the gate at the airport. Like I was Jeffrey and I have to get first. I was like, yeah, I'll meet you at the gate. Got into the gate. It was like right at the end, like the gate. And then it's like as soon as you get like you walk down the gate. This is like a big airport. And then like you walk down the gate and like I walked down, sat down. And then like everyone, you know, everyone's in the gate. Like everyone's just like Pakistani and I'm just like the only wee white guy mm. and there's like riots on the screen and shit. Everyone's like, <laughs> like it was scary. Like people were like looking at you like mm. and shit mm. and I'm just sitting there. Can imagine. Just had my headphones on. I was kind of like, that's when that was like, I was like, this is real. Like, this, mm. is, this is hectic. I was like, I was frothing yeah. because like this made me feel alive and I was just like so bored of everything that's going on like here, like drinking yeah. and stuff. This was just a whole new level to me and I was just completely thriving. different world. Yeah. You know, and um, yeah, so and then Jeff came, we got on the plane, got to land in Pakistan, this like real crappy small airport, international airport and it's crappy and small, get taken into this like little room like because like we all had like our, our visas but like we had visa on arrival because we had Kiwis so, like, Kendra, she's from America, so she had to pre-plan all the visa stuff. But, like, oh. we can get, like, visa on arrival. Right. Like, okay. we have to set up for it, and so they're ready. But oh, okay. So, it's obviously a lot more. Yeah. They, they don't see us, I guess, yep. as a threat as they perhaps do yep. with Americans. But then, like, it kind of went wrong, and we had to, like, call up, like, our New Zealand, like, 
people from New Zealand to like give us access and stuff. And then we got through, got to, ended up landing, land, this is before we got into Pakistan, land in Pakistan. We get taken into this like, as soon as we land, we just get taken into this like room, real buzzy room, just like pretty much dripping. <laughs> and it's just like crap as. And there's just like this dude sitting at the desk, like, nothing on the desk, he's sitting there smoking a dart in the middle of the airport. And it's just like, this is like, we get there at like 12 o'clock at night. And it was just like, it's, so, it's such a massive day. We land there, we're just sitting in this like real, like it was like a movie, like you're just in this office and this dude's just sitting there like smoking a dart and he just doesn't say a word to us and we're just sitting there. And he's just and he's just like, what's wrong? And it, we're just like, oh, we're just, we're trying to get a visa stuff. We visa's on arrival sussed and we just like, we got taken here and he's just like, hmm. and he just like doesn't say anything. He just carries on smoking his dart just scrolling on his phone and like we're just sitting there for like 20 minutes really and he just doesn't say anything and then like he just gets up puts his dart out and then puts, gets up and just like leaves <laughs> and then we just like sit there for like another half hour we're like what's going on there's like soldiers in the next room just like drinking and laughing and we're like oh shit what's going on this is pretty weird and it's like me and jeff and they're just like coming like half an hour later and he's just like oh here's your visas like you're good <laughs> <laughs> So, <laughs> and then we just asked, oh, wait, what? he's like, yeah, it's all good. Had you, had you handed him anything like at the start? Yeah, yeah. We, right, like, so handed, taken our, we handed our visas yeah. on arrival, but, you know, they just like, and they he came in, they had like printed off and like get a few things stamped, but they, sure. they just didn't make it clear at all. They just, right, it was weird no instruction. Yeah. Nothing, nothing. And then they, he came in like, yeah, you guys are good. And we walk out, there's no one in the airport and like Emmanuel picks us up. It was like pouring down with the rain and stuff. Yeah. We get back. And then, yeah, like f from that moment forward, the next like two weeks was just like super under the radar. We had to move. We had to move really like smart. Like there's no muck ups because like we get, we get abducted. Our organs are worth like 500K. Shit. Like just like, so we're like, we're a target. So it, all that, like we had to like order, we had to get a van that had like tinted windows, everything and everywhere. We couldn't just like walk around on the street or anything. Like where we would go somewhere, we would go there. We would stay there and then when we leave, we leave and we don't like go out in the street, we just straight into the van and we had like hired, we had like personal security, Emmanuel sorted like personal security guards for us Shit. as well. Because of the colour of your skin? Yeah. Is this what we're talking There's about? There's like, I yeah. saw like three white people the whole time Shit. and we went to Pakistan, like Islamabad and like quite a few places and like all like the like this main capitals and stuff of yep. like Pakistan, like saw like three white people the whole time. And we went so many places that the whole trip was just like, it was just intense. We barely got like a, didn't get like a heap of sleep. Cause like we would get home like 10 o'clock at night, start like seven. And then like, but like when we get home at like 10 o'clock at night, you're just absolutely like wrecked. And then like after like a few minutes, we'd go somewhere else. So we'll have like probably like five hours of sleep a night, but like it's hot and sweaty as well. So it's just Can't like- really sleep anyway. Yeah, but like you wake up and you're just like, let's go you're in such like your mindset when you're in like when when we were in this kind of situation your mindset and everything changes like you're not you're in you're in a different mode than you are like here in Dunedin like it's weird like oh, I shit, never yeah. felt that before like comparable. you were I was just like you were in tune yeah. everything you were just wired like everything was just like serious but like we just had to move smart but like I've never like under like didn't understand that we would as humans could like flick into this like mm. instinct of just like like my, our bodies just knew it was like weird it was so weird and we just flicked into this mode of just like focus so like the first day was just like bomb wake up seven like 
didn't have any trouble. It was just like bang, bang. And then we went to like like few churches, few few churches here, like met a few people and stuff and like kind of just got around and just like starting to move. And then like, yeah, just like it just got more intense and more intense, more draining, more draining. But like the whole time you're just so focused. Your body's ruined, but your mind is just like, like you're ready to go. And like it, it was just like at a point it was just like me, Jeff stayed. And like this is like one of the one of the sketchiest ones was like we were going to a church. Like there's a everything was sketchy, but like one of the sketchiest ones was like we were going to it was like we've been a full day of meeting people and going to churches and like talking and stuff and like freeing slaves. So like all the so basically all the camps, all the slave camps that we're trying to free are basically people that get enslaved because they have medical bills to pay mm-hmm. and they take a loan out. From, from the brick kilns, a loan out to pay for the medical bills, but then they have to pay the loan back. So they have to work for the brick kilns and make bricks all day. Right. And yeah, basically it's, it's hectic ass. Like they, they, there's guns, like they can't just run away. Like there's like security yeah. and stuff. And like a, a mother's like in labor, she has like a day to have her kid and then she has to get back on the bricks. And so the kid can walk, she, he has to start making, or she has to start making bricks. So that most people live their whole lives and slavery and then when they have their kids their kids live their whole lives in slavery so it's like heat to care so like our whole goal was just to like get there and we and we wanted to get our main goal was just like scope out some places and just like see how scope out like a few like low-key towns so we could like talk to the people and like get slaves free we got like I think we got about 13 families free while we're oh, really? over there. So yeah. where do you even start? So Emmanuel has a contact. With, like, he just contacts the brick kilns and we just buy them out, basically. We just pay, right. their, we just pay their loan. Pay so, their so what is like the currency conversion? Like, was there, was For example, there... it's probably like two grand for a family. Okay, New Zealand dollar. Yeah. yeah. And right. So there had been a bit of, of uh, money made from the online platform, I presume? Yeah. Is so, that what was set up? Yeah, well, like we have... We have people that like donate and stuff. Yeah, yeah. But the the that way they can't pay their loans off because the way it's set up, the interest rates are just like basically a trap. So they can never pay their loan up because they'll make bricks and they'll never they'll always right. raise the quota. Right. So it's just a trap. Like they're just screwed. Yeah. So you know, as soon as they get into slavery, like there's only like a couple people that have been able to meet the quota every time and get free. And that was like at like a real like uh, one of the brick kilns was you know, pretty generous and like he managed, there's like one, one or two guys that managed to, but like everyone else is like, I think, oh, I can't remember the numbers, it's like 2 million, Shit. 20, I can't remember, it's like, yeah, but anyway. So like, who's running the brick kilns like, or who are they like associated with? Her, the brick kilns? Yeah. Brick like kilns is a business. So there's, there's, I think there's like a couple million brick kilns yeah. in Pakistan and they're just like, a, it's just like a standard, so there's like people that aren't in there that there's people in there that are working that don't aren't paying off loans. They're just like casual workers. Mm. But yeah, they're just like it's almost like shark shark loaning, you know. Right. It's like loan sharking. Okay. So it's just like yeah, they just get stitched up. Right. And the and like the government's pretty like corrupt as well. So it's yeah. Just so like, so that's yeah. I was going to say I'm I'm definitely a novice on on this topic. So in terms of like who's overseeing how these brick kilns are run, like that's not something that is. You know, it's, they're their own sort of entity. It's not a government-run business, or is it? No, yeah, they're like their own entities, like bus, big businessmen. So no one's them. looking at that and going, this is wrong, we need to stop. Like, the government's not no. stepping in. Like, that's not a thing that happens yet. No, because pretty much all of Pakistan is built off bricks. Sure. 
Sure. So, like, it, it needs to help to them, yeah. you know. Right. Okay. So, but yeah, and then one of the sketchiest places we went to was like a church in the middle of the slums. And like, this was one that was quite late night. We'd just done a full day of going around. Jeff was tired as, and he was like, no, I'm just going to stay out of this one. And it was kind of sketchy. Like, Emmanuel didn't really know this owner, this, this church pastor really well. And but he's like, yeah, we got to, you, can, you don't have to come if you don't want. But I was like, no, nah, let's go. Mm. And it was just like me and Miles, who was with us, and like Jeff didn't come. And so, like, me and Miles went, it was like two hour drive night, like, just like the most sketchy shit driving out there. And then, yeah, yeah, break. yeah, sorry. yeah so, um, yeah, it was just like sketchy as we get out here and uh, we hit the slum and get out the van, and then, like, a couple of the us. Uh, private security guards meet us out there. Yeah. We get out the van, me and Miles and Manuel, and they're just like, yeah, let's go. We start like kind of like almost just like kind of jogging just through the slums because the van can't go through the slums because the streets are so narrow. And it's just like all sewage and stuff. We were walking for probably like 15 minutes through the slums and just like pitch black, didn't know where we were going except me and Manuel. Like we were just like, yeah, the church is through here. The church is like in the middle of the slum. It's like a big outdoor, like it's like a festival. But like... We got there and then we went into the back room, had like water and stuff and then came out. And then like we went going to the front, like on the stage, like we were seated on like the stage and stuff, and, like huge welcoming and stuff. Mm. And we're just like on alert the whole time because, you know, you've got all of these Christians, but there's so many Muslims around that are ready to blow up the place. So like this was the most sketchy, because like buildings, like, like not buildings, but like houses, like mm. crappy houses, like all surround us in the middle of the slum. So like any one of them could have been like, ready to go it's like, but all these Christians like are so they've got nothing else but Christianity they've got nothing else but the, but the Lord and but love so, so there's they a lot of Christianity within yeah. the Muslim community or like, well, like sort of it's, it's this so, like 98% of Pakistan is Muslim right so there's a v- very little Christianity but the ones that are on, still on, they're on fire like yeah. they would die for it like it's crazy like wow. It's just intense, and so like they so don't. So, how do care. they feel about each other? How does a Muslim feel? Muslim well, community feel about the Christianity. The Muslim community. community wants to blow up all Christians, right? Like that's like a lot of the churches we went to are right around the corner from it. Like one of the churches we went to is right around a corner mm. from a church that just got blown up a week before we were there, and like just blew up the whole block. And we were driving past, and it was just like just like one of the walls had just been repaired. So we were like literally a, a block away from this church. And we were just like, like we, we, you know, it was, but we were there for a bigger purpose than life. Like, so yeah, yeah. it was like, it didn't, you know, phase us that much because when you're in that zone, like you're not worried about, you know, what's going to happen because the purpose is so much bigger than this. Yeah, absolutely. And that's where, you know, where the Lord wanted us to be. So, you know, it was, so you, it was pretty hectic and it was just like, you know, this, this is what I wanted to, this is where, like, when, when, I, when I look back and when I first started, like, I was just starting to, like, come back to Christianity. That's, that's where I saw myself. And I was like, this is, life is so much bigger than what we're doing right now in New yeah. Zealand. And I was like, giving my thing back is just, this is just me trying to find, trying to find who I am and trying to find my own identity. But, like, finding that is you start from giving and you start mm. from helping people that are in need. And Pakistan is in huge need right now. So it was just like, yeah, let's go. So, yeah, after – when we got back, like, it's a quite a long, like, story of the whole Pakistan. I won't go into it all. 
But um, basically, when I got back, we were just like, me and Jeff were kind of like focused. Like, we want to get um, more vision. We want to get more vision on freeslaves.org. So I rebranded. We redid the logo. And now we're just like, the next thing to do, we're going to make some T-shirts and stuff. But like, he's he's working on like a lot of getting like a lot of people overseas. Like in America, there's so many donors that are coming from America and stuff. Yeah. So yeah, we're just going to try to keep growing. The next thing we're trying to do is... So this is something we can still visit now? Yeah, you can, it's, it's online. online. Yeah, 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 so it's free, freeslaves.org. Yeah. yeah. And yeah, some, I want to talk about some of the other stuff, but most of it's like right now, what with the future plans I probably won't talk about yeah, just because enough. like, yeah, that's just like it's kind of undercover at the yeah, moment. Sure. So do you think you achieved what you wanted to do? Oh, what you set out to do? Yeah. So what, what, su- when, what sort of gave you the gratification? Like had you saw it, sort of had anything firsthand there? I was like, right, I, I felt like I've done... Yeah, I was alive. I was, like, yeah. when I was coming back, I was like, this is life. Yeah. This is life I never, found, like, found myself. So, in so just in a literal sense, like, what... you obviously talking to these communities and these things, so so you obviously um, said that you had freed some families from these things, but in terms of, like, um, on the on the religion side of things, in terms of, like, what you were doing as a Christian, do you think that was achieved and what about that was achievement for you, you know? Like, was it just sort of gratification from others no, or had you actually doing, sort of put something into the community? Doing, it's doing, like, it's doing what the Lord's called and it's it's mate, it's doing the will of his, his like, his will. as like, because if I'd, you know, like, it's doing his will and it's just like, that's what he called us to do mm. and that's just like loving others. And so, like, the whole point right now is just like when we, we were, co- Jeff, like, we were called to go there and he was called to go there. And, like, I want to talk about it, but I'll just be here for so long to talk about like, because it all got stems back from, like, quite all, yeah. like, different messages and stuff. But, like, long long story short, like, when we were there because the Lord wanted us to be there. So and that's what you mean when you say called. Yeah. yeah. So we were called to be there at that point in that time. And now he's working with us and, like, in us is just, like, to keep building and, like, keep connected with Pakistan because mm. New Zealand, we're so... Isolated. Well, we just, we've got so much to give, you know, and like and not a lot of the, a lot of the rest of the world isn't really helping each other out. And we're just living in this like little free country and mm. we've just got so much to give so we can help them out, mm. you know. We've got it. We can give. And it's just love. Like it all stems back to love. Yeah. And like, you know, when you make someone else feel happy and you help another family out, like that's just, that's life. Like if if you help, like we we were helping out families like left, right, and centre. It was just amazing because that was most. It was like that was what we were born to do, mm. is to help each other out, you know. And that, and that's like, you know, it's just like that's that was what it's all about. Yeah, and it's just like helping each other out, helping the people that are in need. You know, the Lord won us in that spot in that time, and that's why it went so well because, you know, we we listened. You know, we weren't we weren't naive, and we didn't dive in there mm. with just like guns blazing. You know. Yeah, sure. Yeah, you, know, you got to move. You know, got to move smart. Yeah. You know, you can't be foolish. Mm. And there's a difference between being foolish and wise. Yeah, wisdom, absolutely. You know? Yeah, especially when you're when you're going to do going to a place like that, mm. doing the things that you're doing. Like you definitely can't yeah. go in full weight. You know, you definitely yeah. got to plan out what it is that you're doing. Like it's a it's a but dangerous yeah. place. But yeah, no, that. But yeah, it is very dangerous. But it's, it's not the end either. Mm. 
you know, and that's a big struggle right now is like Pakistan might be going. So like it's grey listed, means we can like transfer money into there so we can give Emmanuel money and funds. But like if it gets blacklisted, Pakistan goes blacklisted, then that we, means we can't like send anything in. So it might make it really tough for us to transfer yeah. money in, but we can, we'll find a way. Yeah, okay. So, yeah, that, but yeah, no, we're planning to go back there soon. Do some more of the same. Mm, probably yep. next year. Yeah. Okay. To take. But next year we want to we want to build. We're we're gonna we're gonna we're gonna get a tribe and make a system up so yep. we can get people out of slavery and then into a job. Yeah. So they don't come out of slavery and then just become, you know, and straight back into poverty. Mm. We want to set up like a like a, like a other another like. Us, like a we we're gonna buy like we want to buy like a paddock like a space that we can just make a little like um, like a wee few workshops and stuff just like give people jobs just like good jobs so they can feed their families and stuff because it's not also about getting families free but it's also about giving putting them straight back into a, a working lifestyle yeah you know where they can actually provide for their family and live you know live properly so that's how how Again, very much a novice on Pakistan, but like in terms of you know putting these people into other jobs, what what is something that is feasible or sort of ready, available yeah, so in they, terms of jobs? So they usually, there? usually like the the uh, like the male, like the father of the family, or like you know the older male would usually get a job. We'd usually put them into like an office or something. Okay. If we can find an office, or like just like janitoring or just just like little jobs around, put them straight back into the church because the church can provide. Mm. So give them jobs in the church. And or a lot of the males will open up a, like a shop like for bike parts and stuff. Oh, okay. Because like everyone drives motorbikes. Sure. But the only motorbike they've got is like like a little Yamaha. Oh, because yeah, they've yeah. Got, Pakistan's got like a deal yeah. with them where they can only have those bikes. So you just see <laughs> millions of the same little bike. Interesting. So there's just like a lot, yeah, like every town, like, like we can like, a lot of the males will just like open up a little shop for sell bike parts and stuff, and they'll sell. They can sell anything, like just little like garments and stuff. Like yeah, they'll make garments okay, cool. and things. Oh, that's good. Yeah, yeah. I I don't I don't really know. I don't even have a, a picture of sort of what the city's like or what the community's like over there to sort of get a gauge on. Like if you were to compare it to what it's like here, and I saw more love over there in the communities than I do here. Well, that's that's and the that thing. was the craziest thing because we live so isolated from one another. Mm. And like the love over there, they have nothing, but the love is just so strong. It was just crazy. It was like they love like you know those little villages we into. There's just so much strong love, like. And that'll be because of the place that they're in and the, and what they're going through. You know, like that exactly. only really shines through yeah. through struggle. You know, yeah. there's there's not a lot of give, love yeah. to give when you're you can have everything that you you want really. Yeah. Like here, you can obviously you can't have everything you want, but like we definitely have like a, the world a of entertainment. different different look on the world and what we're able to achieve yeah. and what is actually like really available to us and how free we, we really are, yeah. you know. But so like, yeah, like and, and another thing is like their basic health and well-being skills is like super uneducated. Right. Like a lot of the babies will, like, will drink like just like bad water mm. and like they get like a lot of diseases from it. So, and it's just like basic living. Like a lot of the mothers will feed like their babies rice and stuff, which is really bad to feed your baby. You oh, don't really? start feeding your baby rice until a certain age. Okay. But like it's, you know, it's kind of just like teaching them how to, how to provide not in a 
it doesn't have to be expensive, but it's just like the right ways of mm-hmm. like living. Mm. So, you know, like giving them the, those ba- those basic knowledge and basic skills, and and that's like that's like another big part of it is just like giving basic knowledge because yeah. they don't understand, they don't have it, they don't have education. So we want to get, um, we're trying to get like a, a doctor or like someone that's educated in that area. I've got a friend that's educated in that area and I'm going to get him and we're going to try to suss him over there and just like give basic um, like medication and stuff. Like a lot of them, like you'll see people with a broken leg but they don't ever get it put back in place, so that just that just heals like that and shit like that. So that's pretty crazy. But um, so that's like another huge thing is just basic knowledge. So if we can feed them that basic, you know, health and well-being, like just super basic cheap mm. skills, you know, then they can share with their friends and it just like sure. it's the beginning of health. Yeah. And putting water pumps in as well, so fresh water pumps. And you don't guess how much it is to put a water pump in. Uh, I've I've had figures that I've seen in the past, but. And we're talking thousands of dollars. To put a water pump in, like a fresh water pump that goes down to get the fresh water, it costs like 250 US dollars. US dollars? Super cheap. Oh, right. Like, okay. So cheap. And like not a lot of places have like fresh water. So Emmanuel is working right now with one of the young guys there, just like keep putting water pumps in as many places as we can. Fuck, I, got, I thought you were going to say $250,000. Nah, nah. Jesus, okay. So, <laughs> like, you're chance. saying it's super doable, obviously. Mm. Yeah. Shit, okay. Yeah. So, that's, like, another project. It's mm. just, like, Emmanuel's working on right now. Yeah. But now it's main, like, you know, getting on the right track and stuff. Absolutely, so. yeah. So, where do your roots in, in Christianity stem from? Like, is your family re- mm-hmm. religious or is it faith you found on your own? No, my whole family's Christian. Yeah. So, you're born in, into it, so to speak. Yeah. Yeah. And and you say you've sort of come in and out of it, like you sort of yeah, I've been yeah, away, so. I've just so tough. It's just like just dealing with my two sides, like what I say with my art. I've got my you know, there's just two sides to my art. Like a lot of it's really like rough, and then there's like that crisp stuff. And I've always just got like these kind of two sides fighting. And this is kind of like it's kind of like come from my life. It's just like I've got my Christian side, which I'm like. I get heavily in and then I've got like my party lifestyle, which I'm also like heavily into. So it's like so difficult because I'm young as well. Mm. So I just like love partying and shit. So it's like those are two just opposing forces, which are just sure. completely different. So like even right now, like just kind of partying heaps. It's just like it's really just draining on me because like it's just like it be mentally tough and like physically tough as well. Right. Just like trying, trying to trying to you know, deal with that. So but like, you know, so it's not a question of whether the religion is right for you or not. It's just a question of what and, and lifestyle yeah, and, you and prefer. And when people go, like, how are you Christian? You know, like, you do what you do. It's just like, you know, it's it's not about um, being it's – it's like that's – that's being perfect is just not mm, – What does it, that it, even mean? Being perfect is just a goal that will, is unattainable. So, like, you just got to start by focusing on the good focusing on what's right and then you know you'll slowly come out of the mud it's like if i can put this in like a metaphor um so you've got a long piece of rope and the whole piece of rope is in the mud and you grab the head of the rope and you want that rope to be out of the mud but if you keep focusing on like the bad things in life, if you keep like dwelling on like the negatives, then you're just going to keep dragging the rope around in the dirty puddle. Right. But if you start by focusing on the good, 
that means you walk out of the puddle, but the rest of the rope is still in the mud. But you've got the head that's like we the head is like your focus, like what you dwell on, like the okay. things you focus on in life. So you get that head out of the mud and you start focusing on that and you keep walking in that direction, just focusing on the good, focusing on the good, then the rest of the rope will follow out of the mud. Mm-hmm. It might still be in the mud, but it'll it'll follow. Yeah. It follow so it's like you your your lifestyle and like your mental like health and like who you are as a person will follow what you focus on. Mm. But so like I'm only like, you know, I'm turning 22 in, in a couple of weeks. So it's just like I'm still young and I'm still like learning. So it's still pretty tough. Yeah. Especially with my genes. Like <laughs> I'm a bit of a loose unit. So it's just like it's – and I like doing things full pie as well. So when I'm doing – when I'm a Christian, it's like full intense. Yeah. And then when yeah. I'm drinking, it's full intense. Yeah, right. So it's kind of like – it's it's pretty tough, but like we'll get there, you know. Like, and that's what I like. My message to everyone is to is to st- you don't get happiness by focusing on yourself. Your happiness mm. starts from making someone else happy. You know, this whole idea of so like, yeah, start by making other people happy and start focusing on the good things because like um, with with like this whole idea when people say they hit rock bottom and they're in the hole. People say, oh, you got to climb out. But that's like the most false thing you could ever offer someone because you don't climb out of the hole. You help other people out and then you just start floating to the top. Like mm-hmm. that's how I found. Yeah. And that's how anyone I've known that's gotten out of that place yeah. gets out. So like you don't actually climb out because you can never climb out of the hole. But once you make other people feel happy and mm. you go for a coffee with someone as simple as like that and like you make someone else feel happy, then that like, makes you feel happy. Once you start like making the people around you feel good and you just like stop focusing on yourself but focusing on like helping other people, then you start floating to the top. Like you just float out and like, you look at yourself, oh, well, I'm mm. happy now. Mm. So that's like what, that's what makes us human because the only thing we've got to give is our love. You know, so material like, items never make you happy. Yeah, for sure. It seems like you, you sort of um, take a huge chunk of, of sort of what the Christian belief is and sort of use it. And I mean, I, I, it's hard for me to sort of really understand from an outside perspective of what like a real Christian is. So in terms of like, you sort of take a lot of the, the values from that and and sort of live life based on that. Like is is your belief in God pretty heavy? Like you're, yeah. you're definitely, that's definitely how yeah. you're, yeah, how you've been taught and what you know to be true. But that's obviously a big, like a, what, a lot of what you're doing is sort of, getting outlooks on life from the religion and sort of using that in a, in a way of, yeah, it, it's hard for me to, re- I'm just trying to sort of understand it. Yeah. Obviously not a religious person trying to understand it's, what it is that, yeah, like, about the religion that, that sort of grasps you, I yeah, suppose. Like but it's pretty, yeah, it's pretty hard to like um, talk about it in like a small, in a small I haven't time. Re- I, like it takes, yeah. it takes months. Oh, hundred percent. And like, yeah. and, and like it's, you Wouldn't start from you to an put infant, it in a nutshell. You know, but yeah. like, yeah, basically, I've grown up, my Christian is my, like, that's who I am. Yeah. And that's like, of course, I've gone away from that. But to back to what you said, um, like my values as a Christian um, are all based on the Bible and based on the Lord. So it's just like, that's that's why like when I fail and when I'm not doing the things that, you know, and brackets, you know, and... You know, what I should be doing 
it's not because I'm doing it wrong. It's because I'm just still young and I'm still learning the, the ropes. So um, how can I put this? It's like, uh, you know, when you're, you know, when you're, when you're starting out with something, you don't dive into the deep end straight away. You don't dive into the complexity of something straight away. You start from the beginning. You start from the small steps. When you build your house, you build... To do it right. Yeah. You, you build foundation first. You build that concrete mm. slab. You build the front foundation first and then you start building your house. Mm. And that's like another thing is it's like a lot of people kind of dive into the complexity and get so overwhelmed of the complexity of the Bible. But you don't start there. You start from like the first two commandments, what, which is everyone's overlooking. You know, if you, if you focus on those two commandments, then everything else will just fall into place. But you've got to start focusing on those mm. two commandments and focusing on them because, like I said, with the robe, you start focusing on the good and the, and, and, and the focus on the, what you should be focusing on. Then you'll start to, you, you start to grow. You start to you build your foundations first and then you start to build your house. And when, I, when I've been through so many tough times, it's just like the best thing. It's just like you focus on the end, like, not, I feel like sometimes I go, like, oh man, I should be this, I should be that. Mm. But it's like, that's the full, like, wrong way of thinking. You've just got to start small and start focusing on love and focusing on the basics. Yeah. Because, like, the basics um, and, and the full picture and the end goal, the basics, is what governs everything. Because, like, once you start focusing on, like, if you're loving your neighbor as yourself, and you're loving with the Lord, you're loving the Lord with your whole, whole mind, soul, and strength, then everything else just falls into place. Mm. And of course, that's so difficult, so difficult to do. But at the same time, it's super easy to do because, like, you can easily love someone, you know. And when you're loving someone, you're loving, you know, the Lord because the Lord lives in everyone. And it's just, it's really complex, man. I just like, it's, it's tough for me to talk on right now over like a Especially, podcast. Oh, I understand. Like, I, wouldn't, so... I wouldn't expect you to explain it all to me. And it's such a, it's such a vast thing. And, and I suppose like you're probably one of the first like real Christians that I've actually spoken to. Mm. So for me, it's just trying to get sort of a grasp on how you sort of see the world, you know? And I guess I want to sort of throw something at you and, and you, can, you can say what you like, but how, do you, how does science play a role in your life at all? So I'm not trying to say like, you know, nothing's true. You believe what you believe yeah, and I respect that and I understand that. So science is the how. Look at it like this. Science is the how and the scriptures is the why. What are the scriptures? So the, the Bible. Yeah. So the science, when I say the science is the why, so the science is the how and the scriptures are the, how, are the why. Yeah. So the science tells us how everything's happened like why the sky is blue, um, how, how does the, the plant become like that. Science tells us how everything is, you know, like, you know, why, why the grass is green, for instance. Yep. Like, let's keep it simple. And then the scriptures is the why. Why is it, like, why is the sky blue? You know, because the Lord made, every, made things to be beautiful. Right. And they, 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 he tells us why. And the science tells us how. Like my quite good friend, Robin... Robin Taylor, he's a doctor in Edinburgh. And yeah, he's like a full Christian. And, but he's also like a pretty heavy scientist as well. But it's just like separating those two and understanding where they sit because the science is the how. Mm. 
how did that happen? You know, that's what science is. It's like, it's like, how does that happen? Well, that's the thing, isn't it? It always comes you know. to a point where it's like, things are the way that they There's are. There's no why. Yeah. You know. They just are. They yeah. just are that way. And that's that what science sense. tells us. Yeah. You know, and then, yeah, it's just like, it's... Have because you ever... if, if there was no Lord, man, then we'd just be a sack of chemicals hitting another sack of chemicals. Why is that wrong? Mm. Why is that sack of chemicals blowing up that other sack of chemicals wrong? Well, mm. it's not because it's science, but it is wrong because we've grown up knowing what's good and, good and bad because it all stems from the scriptures. Mm. Anything we know that's good and bad, that all comes from the scriptures. Like me shooting you right now wouldn't be bad in the eyes of science mm. because it's just a sack of chemicals. Mm blowing up another sack of chemicals. Mm. What is wh why is that bad? And why is, why, would that, why is that bad? Because we know that's bad because the Lord said that's bad and right. he's told us what's good. So like right. everything we know is coming from, from the Bible. Do you think consciousness has stemmed from the Lord? Like, he's, given us think... he's given us con consciousness. Mm. He's given us free will so we can make our own decisions. So, so we can we because that's that's you know what's the point if what's the point if we didn't have free will mm. you know yeah that's something I think about a lot is what is it what is actually in us why is it that we as humans have come to be a conscious being in the way that we are you know what is it that us. is is has actually stemmed that mm. and 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 like you say like there's probably a scientific explanation to that. But there's got to have been yeah, something that the, has, yeah. has actually actually mm. gotten there. Yeah, know, there's a designer for everything. You know. Yeah, it's so um, it's so interesting living my whole life knowing the things that I know, believing the things that I believe, and then actually having an insight from someone like yourself. Because my view on religion has always been an outside perspective, or I've always based opinions on my own terms based on things that I've learned and known to be true. And obviously, like I think what is so hard to have a discussion so what is so hard in a discussion where where it's religion against religion i don't know if this is something you've experienced on your own but being taught some something from birth believing in something from birth mm -hmm. from two different lifestyles it's just banning heads all day mm -hmm. you can't ever you can't ever take someone away from something that they know to be true their whole life you know yeah. it's just like whether whether someone's right or wrong you can't you can't say like if you've gone your whole life believing this one yeah. thing or knowing this one thing to be true. Yeah, and I'm not saying like all the other religions are wrong because they're all correct. No, and like I was going to ask well, you about well, it. not correct, but they they all exist. Yeah, but it's where that they where they stem from, and like you know I don't, I'll probably offend a few people here, but like you know you gotta you gotta understand where a lot of religions will stem from, you know. And I don't believe in, like, I hate religion, but Christianity isn't religion because it's the truth. And it's, it's the truth. So and what I is believe it, in truth. What is it about? I, I don't believe in doing something. I don't believe in, in believing in something because it, it's, it's good. It's, it feels, you know, it's, it's a choice. Mm. I just want to believe in the truth. I want, I want to know what the truth is. And I found the, the truth. Mm. And like I was born and born through Christianity, but I've also gone and had a look at everything else and other religions. Why, why is that better than this one? Why is that, 
why am I a Christian? Why am I not a Muslim? Mm. And like, but I've, I've looked at all of them and just been like, well, like, this is the truth. It's, you know, mm. it's every, there's no holes in the Bible. There's no holes. It's all just, it's straight facts. And it's just, it makes so much sense. It makes so much sense. Like there's holes in everything else. And it's all poorly, most of it's super poorly written as mm. well. Mm. But like you won't be able to find one hole in the Bible. It's not something I've ever I've ever read, and and quite frankly, it's 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 hard for and me to interpret. You know, yeah, from from an outside perspective. Again, I keep using that term. I hope that's appropriate. But you know, re- reading the Bible as someone that's not a Christian is quite hard to to really understand. Is it is it sort of something that makes sense to you? Because you have been a Christian, or, it, it, or do you sort of have to make your own sense of it? Like, you, have you, you sort of read yeah. the Bible and it, it just rings true to you, or is it like that's sort of well, what's it's, taught it's through the faith? Years of just like it's years of studying it and just going like and, and asking questions and asking questions and asking questions and finding the match and finding the truth in it. And it's all just like it's all just perfect, mm. you know. And that's like the beauty of it because like if you read the Bible, you'll always feel enlightened. And that's the crazy thing. Like if you have as any non-Christian picks up the Bible and starts reading it, they'll always feel better. You could read one page of the Bible and feel like good. Mm. And that's the crazy, also another crazy thing about it because it's so beautifully written. And it's just like it's, there's just no other um, possible answer. It's just all there. Everything there is just makes so much sense. Mm. How did you get through, like, because obviously through school, I don't know about in your school, but in my school, like, it's not something that's taught. No. Was no. it a struggle for you? Like, um, I didn't really care. I knew, like, I, through school, I knew I was always a Christian, but I didn't really practice it like that much. But I knew, like, in science and stuff, I love science and stuff, but like, it was never taught, but it was never like an issue. There was a couple conversations that came up. You know, the teacher would be like, no, nah, you know, like this. Mm. You know, that would go against Christian. But I wouldn't really like, I wouldn't really say anything because right. you'd end up in a, just an a d- endless debate with a, a science teacher. It's not, a, it's not yeah. the best thing and, to do. And also if there's no one else on that belief in the class as well, you don't want to be that one kid. In school. Yeah. yeah, and my knowledge was so so small of the Bible at that point. So there's no point in me getting into an argument yeah. when my knowledge is still really like light. Yeah. But, um, yeah, like, yeah. So, like, but I didn't really, like, care that much through school. I knew who I was. Mm. But then I lost myself. So Yeah, I went, for sure. Because I just, yeah. Yeah. It's very, it's it's fascinating to me, man. And, and everything. I, yeah. Went yeah. full fucking. Yeah, that's so crazy. And, and like I say, I've, I've never really spoken to someone of, of the that belief, you know, and and it's just hard to sort of analyze it. Like I, to get a real understanding of it from someone like you, who's I've, like, a, yeah, I'm not sure the point I'm trying to make, but mm. it's just so fascinating to talk yeah. to you about this stuff because for someone that doesn't really have much of a view on religion, I think it's so important to whether you believe something or not to understand Ponder. why people are. Yeah, why they ponder, believe in what like, they believe. Like that big painting that I had that, you know, the ponder mm. with the apples, that mm. whole painting was about that. And right. it's just like that painting had like David, he was like staring off and it was like, and there's the fruit there and it had ponder. That, that whole painting was based on 
our young generation and our our people, like all the youngins, like no no one really ponders life that much. No one really like ponders and thinks about what if this is real. What if what if what is the fruit of life? You know, where do I find fulfillment? And that was like that painting was just about pondering the fruit of life and what is fulfilling. And when I say fruit, I mean um, what what makes us who we are and what's what's the how do we live life? Mm. You know, the fruit of life is like, of course, money is and everything that we do, like material items and stuff, it's not fruitful. It's mm. not, doesn't give back to anyone. It doesn't make anyone feel fulfilled. So it was just like that painting, you know, it was what you're saying. Mm. It's just like, it's, it's just thinking about those kinds of things mm. and pondering on, on and, and keeping your mind open and, and asking questions about mm. everything, you know. Fuck, man. That's really fascinating stuff. I mean, like really what I've sort of, got from you in this in this conversation your perspective on everything is just how to look at life differently yeah and I think that's what religion gives a lot of people is a way to look at life in a way that makes sense because it is such a vast thing to try and understand you have to give people the right to be able to believe what they believe exactly, you know? exactly. It just you, you can't you can't force it on anyone as exactly well. like I don't even know what I believe anymore mm. to be honest man because like I used to I've typically gone my life not believing in in, in God mm-hmm. I'll say God um, but you know when you I'm st- going to go through my whole life not knowing the truth like th- there's no real way to, well, to you, really you answer don't know like, that so right. you could you might you might find yourself in a in, you know and you, you might ask that question and then you might go actually like this 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 you mm. might start connecting the dots because you, you, like you don't want to say oh I'll go through life not never understand because you yeah. might find it next week so you, know, you, you so you believe that how do I how do I put this? So like you're when you say you read the Bible and you and you you see it as as factual, you believe that everything there's no holes in it, it's factual. Mm. That's your how do I ask this question? You believe yeah, okay, so like I don't know how to ask this question. I've lost I'm it. I'm trying to think about your question. It's just hard for, I guess, and it goes back to my 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 point before about like just just. I believe in this. Like this is my family. just understanding yeah. it. You know, just yeah. understanding someone's perspective on it yeah. and why they believe. You and know, all of this is just the ice. Like this is just yeah. the tip of the iceberg. Yeah, exactly. Because you're you're telling me things that I have never really been told been told before, mm. um, or like I have been told yeah, and know sure. about. But you know, to have your perspective and viewpoint on it is something that I haven't experienced before. So I guess this is just my reaction to that and trying to sort of grasp. Just like your, the thing, I think the best viewpoint. way you can grasp it is it all stems back to love, mm. and it all everything and it stems sense, back to love. Makes sense because what's the only thing that makes us as humans fulfilled and exactly. happy? Is giving is giving love and being loved, you know. Money doesn't make you happy. Material items doesn't make you happy. The only thing, if we I had nothing, that. if we had nothing, the only yeah. thing we had was our hearts. Exactly, and that's gonna and that that's, makes and us and happy that's exactly it, man. And obviously, it's that's friendship. why you're going to like Pakistan and stuff because they don't have those things. Yeah. You know, they they, they have only them. have the love. You know, yeah, they've just got love, and it's just crazy strong because it's all they've got. They don't have all this entertainment. That's you know we sucked away into this entertainment world, mm. and that's why everyone's so depressed because they don't know what's real, and they've been taught through school their whole lives that they've got to make themselves happy and do what you know and like 
do what makes you happy. You know, that whole thing is like, do what makes you happy, but people don't understand how to make themselves happy. They think by making it in life and making money or something, you know, getting a good job and stuff makes you happy. But like, it's just that it might be short-term happiness. It's definitely short-term happiness. But in the long run, people, like so many young people are struggling to be fulfilled and struggling to be happy because they're just looking in the wrong direction. They've been told their whole life through school, you know, like a lot of the, like business go do whatever you can to, can inside the law and like you know make money and you know, do what makes you happy. But like people don't know how to make themselves happy. Yeah. Well, Silas, <laughs> so, yeah, you've been I doing know, some sorry. good things, man. This is this has been a very eye-opening um, recording that we've done here. Like, I, I really appreciate you. Yeah, taking your time like, to come you know, on, man. I'm not like trying to press anyone. No, no, dude, like, definitely not. I just think like I don't think you'd be doing that. So I, it's like, just so I think it's interesting. good to like, yeah, I think it's good to just like talk about this thing Absolutely. because this is like something I'm something so many people our age are thinking about, and so, and so many people our age want to understand. I think understand more of. That's and the thing. Like, there's so many young guys out there, man, that, and young girls, and and just our young generation mm. that just like. You know, just want to yarn about like this kind of thing because, like, why not? Like, you exactly. know, what else is there? It's, and, you know, and it's like, just like aside from drugs. what anyone believes in, like those core values are translatable to anyone mm. at any time. You know, any everyone knows that to be true. You know, yeah. well, I, and it's like it's it's another thing is, is like it's not bad, it's not like a lot of Christians like real traditional, mm. and that there's this traditional. Like this is a bit like you don't have to be traditional. Like this isn't about being traditional. This isn't about being old school. Mm. This is about taking the core values of, of, of what is good and taking it into us because we live in a completely different world. Our our generation is just this is twenty twenty. We mm. live in the digital world. Mm. We're so lost in like um, the, uh, entertainment. So it's just like. You know, taking some core values from what makes people happy, and like what, and taking core values from the Bible mm. that is just so important for us to keep. Absolutely, but like not not a lot of people, lot of people understand like some of just like the basic values mm. to really like bring happiness. Like one of the basic values like that made me so much happier was appreciating the little things in mm. life, like just having a coffee in the morning. Like once you can understand like and actually be able to appreciate just that mm. coffee in the morning mm. that you can sit there in the sun and have a coffee. Like once you actually appreciate that and appreciate those little things, you'll find yourself just like so much more happy. Absolutely, yeah, man. Well, you've you've definitely had an eye-opening experience and, and I can see why, you know, you believe those things you do and I definitely believe most of that as well, man. And that just, it's so interesting to hear your insight. It's quite eye-opening stuff, to be to be really honest. I'm quite quite moved by a lot of it, to be, to be quite fair. But um, look, I, I think we've we've yacked on for a decent amount of time. So I appreciate appreciate you coming on, man. This has oh, been man, this has been really fun. fun. It's good to catch up with you, regardless. Beers, yeah, that's all that's all it's about, isn't it? Yeah, man. have a couple <laughs> so, of beers, have a couple of darts. Whatever. Absolutely. All right, we'll yeah. wrap it up for the people listening, and uh, hopefully see you on again in the future. Eh? Yeah. Cheers. All right. It's been a pleasure. Bye, everyone. Peace. of all kinds. Sit down and relax. Enjoy the music.